happened to Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast. You know, guys, they say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Now, I have all of my friends telling me I'm insane because there's a thing that I keep doing over and over again, expecting a different result. Now, we should say this. It's not over and over again. It's just me going to do something that I know is going to have a terrible outcome, <laughs> or I assume it will, because it's had a terrible outcome so many times in the past. Now, I will tell you this. I may have bitched about this on here already before, but my life is compartmentalized. My life is small. My life would fit in a ring box at this point. You could slide this show and my life around your goddamn ring finger and call it a day. You and I would be engaged forever as you glance down on the thing I bitched at over and over again for centuries. It seems like centuries, doesn't it? It seems like I should just be on a mountaintop with a staff. And I don't mean a group of people writing for me. I mean a staff, like a stick. And a fucking robe with fucking hanging sleeves like a, a wizened old man I, and just and just white hair uh, as I just sit there and I just spout off the same shit that I've always spouted off. Is that is there a good reception on top of the mountain for podcasting? I'm not sure. Let me get my boulder and roll it up to the top and hope it stays there. I'm sure it won't. As we all know, with our Sisyphusian existences, as we that's a tough, that's a tough word for a guy with a lisp. I'm not going to lie to you. And I wish. I got to figure out, like, I don't think I had a lisp as a kid. I think I got the lisp after I get hit in the mouth with the softball. And I love the shorthand, too, I don't, because I know you guys have been around for so long. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember when you got hit in the mouth with the softball. Like, so you understand what I'm saying. Uh, and I know if you're, even if you're new, even if you just arrived this second for this sentence, you're like, what a lisp on that fucking guy. Uh, it's, it's obvious to me, like, my S's and my C's. And by all means, here's what you should do, too. When you think you have a lisp and you're not sure if other people notice it, point it out. Talk about it at length. By all means, and use a lot of words that are that have sibilant. You're sibilant. I'm sibilant. That's now that's me. Now I'm exaggerating it there by doing this. That's what a snake would do. What if a snake had a podcast? Oh, I'd be a guest. I t- look. If you're a snake, I throw this out there to you right now. If you're a snake, and uh, and you're thinking of starting a podcast, and I, I've got to say this, I don't even have full confidence that if you're a snake you would be the first snake to ever have a podcast. Maybe you're listening in because you're like, I want to learn how to do this podcasting thing. Now, by the way, I'm the wrong guy to listen to because I'm just fucking shouting into the into the air. As you just heard, I'm on a mountaintop talking to nobody. But uh, but you, snake, are sitting in because you're going, what's a solo show like? And then you're like, ha ha, I made him say solo show with his lisp. God damn you, tricky snake. Nobody likes a tricky snake making me do shit I don't want to do. That's not even that I don't want to do it. It's just that I, I, you know, I think of you, the listener. Is my does my lisp hit you right there in the old brain pan? Does my list that lisp list? Does my my list as well? I lean I lean to the left as I do the show. I'm like a ship on the ocean, I'm like a ship on the waves. A ship on the ocean. What song is that? That's like Toad the Wet Sprocket, one of those assholes. All those bands with a fucking you know with a <laughs> with a conjunction in them. I don't listen to bands with a, nobody. Sorry, Florence and the Machine. You're out. Uh, I can't listen to anybody with a conjunction. Uh, I'm sure there's some band called Death or Cake off the Eddie Izzard bit. Uh, Eddie Izzard, get off my dick. And isn't his name Shirley now? Their name, I think. I, I don't know what pronouns uh, Eddie Izzard, but I will say this. Eddie Izzard is, is touring, and I think for professional capacity, he's he's kept the name, or they've kept the name Eddie Izzard. But like I said, in their real life, they're like Susan now, which is, and again, that's awesome. Be who you want to be and discover who you are. I think it's kind of a shame that they can't just go on the road as uh, new Susan. And everybody goes, oh, that's Eddie Azard. He, he used to be Eddie Azard. Now he's Susan. 
Uh, and by the way, if, you, if, you, if you've seen Eddie and uh, his wardrobe choices recently, looks a lot like me on a mountaintop. Uh, long, long, long clothes, almost a kimono-like, and then big hanging sleeves. Uh, and, and incredibly funny. How funny is fucking Eddie Azard? Now, I've gotta, I'm going to say this. It might seem controversial. Can't speak to how funny Susan is. I don't know how funny new Susan is. I don't know how funny Shirley is either. I mean, again, I don't know the name. Uh, Eileen? I don't know. Because usually, I will say this too, whenever whenever someone transitions, they usually pick a name that's kind of close to their name or they pick a name they've wanted to be since they were a kid, which totally is amazing. Or, yeah, I apologize. A name that they've known forever, that's who they were inside. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you grew up and your name was fucking Reggie, everybody's like, hi, Reggie, awesome. What's up, Reggie? And then you get older and you're like, I'm Roxanne. I've been Roxanne my whole life. And everybody's like, all right, I guess. Because everybody usually keeps the first letter. But I think Eddie did pivot to an S. Uh, so he might be a Susan, might be a Shirley, might be a Sandy. Sandy, look, I, I don't know any Sandys. Do I? If I do, brace yourselves. You're about to be disappointed. Uh, <laughs> i got to be honest. Uh, I don't think Sandy's much of a name. Does that seem rude? Probably. Uh, although, you know what? I'm the last guy who should be talking shit about names. I'll, and I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. Because, uh, and first of all, if you're a Sandy, write me a note and tell me what a dick I am. Cause I deserve it. I shouldn't be impugning your name. The name Sandy's fine. It does to me. It seems a little lazy. I'm not the arbiter of names. I certainly didn't invent names. Um, but that's just someone who, I don't know, liked the beach. What is Sandy from? Is Sandy derivative? Is it a European thing? I don't even know. Like Mike is clearly from the name of rough and rugged stevedores throughout history. <laughs> all of the guys, all of the guys shoveling coal into the engine to defeat John Henry. Uh, John Henry, of course, won. But I mean, the other guys were all named Mike. So I guess what I'm saying is, you know, a bunch of Mike's doesn't equal one John, uh, but a bunch of Mike's is still OK. Uh, but again, I, I, so I don't mean to be mean about Sandy's. If you're a Sandy, take pride in it. Be, be the best Sandy you could possibly be. And if you're a Reggie and you want to be a Sandy, go ahead and do that. But I, I will say, if you're a Reggie, there's got to be, boy, if you're a Reggie and you're going to transition, I, I think you can pull off Reggie anyway, even as a lady. I think so. Even if even you're, I, maybe because you associate it, it's your dead name with so much of your life that you lived behind you as a Reggie you didn't want to be. But now, as you move forward in your glorious blooming and you're in, as living the life you're supposed to live as the person you know you are inside, I still think you can pull off Reggie because Reggie's a fucking great name. Reggie is a classic name. God damn, that's a good name. It's a good name for men and it's a good name for chicks. Like if you were a chicks, what a fucking dick. But if you, if you, is that, look, I know you're not supposed to say chicks anymore. I do sometimes. It just comes out shorthand. See, it's a lot of this now, a lot of haltingness, a lot of start stop because I know I'm saying things that I'm like, ah, oh, dude, don't say chicks. Um, but I, but also it, I don't, uh, this is going to sound dumb. I don't mean it in a like pejorative. Wow. Look at those hot chicks way. I mean it in a, like a, a communal sixties way. Hey man, where's the chicks? <laughs> is that working? Anybody buying that story? Probably not. Uh, you know, who's buying it though. Fucking Reggie. Reggie buys that goddamn story. Me and Reggie get out handfuls, fistfuls of cash and buy that story twice. Fuck yeah, Reggie. Um, but Reggie's a great name for a lady. Like if I met a woman named Reggie, I look, I'll tell you this, this is a completely, you know, this I've probably told this anecdote before. Uh, one of my first kisses, one of my first ever experiences with someone who uh, kissing someone uh, or being kissed by someone or just kissing. Well, like, um, how do I put this? My first kiss ever, I was in kindergarten and it was a girl named Tina. And this is completely true. Tina kissed me. And I saw fireworks. I know it sounds like a joke. I know it sounds silly, but I did. I saw 
fireworks in my eyes. Like I, I can, I, it was during, cause it was during the uh, quiet time, like in class and we're all sitting on the floor and she just put her arms around my, threw her arms around my neck and just kissed me. And it was the, and it was just this whole, you tell you to just turn goofy in a cartoon where guys are like, bah, 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 like that. I didn't do all that, thankfully, because I was a child. But at the same time, I, my brain went spinny and I did. I saw, uh, it wasn't quite like, you know how if you close your eyes and you press your eyelids into your eyes and you see like you're doing acid, like all those fucking weird shapes that are flying around. It wasn't that. It was actual, literal fireworks. I didn't hear the booms and the bangs. Uh, but I did, I just sat there dreamily. I was like, what the hell just happened? That was fucking awesome. Uh, pretty sweet. And I will tell you this. I have no memory of Tina before or since there's a chance I was kissed by a ghost. (laughs) Now that I think about it, uh, but I I can physically feel and I almost, I can see it happen. I know this is, uh, I've talked before about like a photographic memory. I don't have one. I wish I did. I I truly believe my ex-wife had one, but I, I, I can see things though that happened a million years ago as if I'm watching them on a television. And what, I'm sorry. I just took a sip of water and, uh, an ice cube flew in my mouth at the last moment. So I tried to spit the ice cube out and then I spilled water on my lap. I I didn't jump, but I, that's why I was quiet for just a second. I wasn't having a stroke. Um, and, uh, oh my God, what did I, now I forgot the photographic memory. Oh, I can see things as if I were watching a movie, which is strange too, because like, it's, it's like as if I'm watching it from afar, seeing, seeing that part of my life play out. Uh, cause I mean, I don't, I, like, I don't remember the temperature in the room or anything, but I just, I physically remember her throwing her hands around her arms, like around my neck and just like one of those big, like sloppy kid kisses on your face, uh, half mouth, half cheek kind of. And, uh, and just, and then just being like, Whoa. And I, and again, I don't know why look clearly it was because of my charisma. I, I I'm sure it's seven. I had the most charisma you could ever possibly have for a seven year old. I was filled up. I was filled to the brim. Uh, with the rich taste of brim, isn't brim a coffee? Uh, and and Tina wanted to get some of that Mike Schmidt coffee right in her right on her lips. Why not? Uh, you know, I wonder. I wonder right now if Tina's out there somewhere going, ah, oh, that's the one who got away <laughs> from kindergarten. She has no idea that I've grown up to be this, uh, whatever this might be. Maybe she's pondering. She's like, I wonder if he's a Sandy. What if he's a Shirley now? Uh, I'm not, but but good thing, good looking out, Tina, as the kids will say. Um. But yeah, Tina was the first kiss I, I ever got. Uh, and then I remember, uh, here's how, you want to hear smoothness? You want to hear, hear how much game I had in eighth grade? This is great. Enjoy this. Uh, I told, I've told this story many times. There was, uh, we were playing guns in my apartment complex in the villas in Bolingbrook, Illinois. Uh, and we were, and, and let me, I've got to tell you this. This is completely true. You know, we all have memories of being a kid. I loved playing football and all this fucking shit and crab apple fights and fucking fireworks fights and nonsense and guns and you know, when we were throwing fucking <laughs> we were throwing we were uh shooting BB guns at kids uh while they threw rocks at the house. That was fun. Um but but this is uh, we played guns in the villas and the villas was a three-story apartment building, okay? And it had exits at the end of each corridor with stairwells, but it also had a main foyer with an elevator that went to all three floors. So when you'd have like eight kids running around and they're playing guns and also the doorways were recessed. So you could hide in a doorway and that was fucking sweet as hell. Cause then like, you know, if, if so, you could hear somebody coming, God, I dudes, I just got chills thinking about it. Like, you know, I love scary movies and I love scary stuff. 
uh, and I, I, I love, you know, you know, I have that thing inside me too, that wants to hide in your house and go through your stuff when you're gone. You know, that guy, uh, and I've done that a few times. I've told that story on here. Um, I, and I love, I, I still have it to this day, as I've mentioned many times, I love spying. I, I love when nobody knows I'm there. Like I love being in my apartment, as I've said many times before with the windows open and the blinds closed, but sitting in the chair by the window and I can hear everybody outside <laughs> and I'm spying and listening. And, and it's not even about hearing their secrets or hearing what they're saying. It's this weird. I have this unbelievable comfort level with people not knowing I'm there. I, I just think it's fucking beautiful when, when, that thing where you're, you're, it's like you're just getting over like the ultimate fooling job. I, I don't even know why it is. There's, I'm sure a therapist could unpack it and be like, well, that's because you don't want to be noticed, but you do and blah, blah, whatever the fuck. But, but for me, that thing when you're just kind of hanging out and like, and no one knows you're there, you're just like hiding. Oh my God, I love it. I love hiding. Um, so when we play guns, it's, it was the ultimate. You know, you're hiding from kids and you're running around and bang, bang and whatever the fuck. Uh, but there was a girl who was playing when we were playing and she was a, uh, I believe she was a sophomore or maybe even a junior in high school. That's right, guys. That's, that's the kind of game I'm running. Uh, her name was Ruth and she was the sister of one of the kids we were playing guns with. Uh, well, t- two of the kids, but we, there was a older brother and a younger brother. And I think she, I don't know if she was, uh, o- she was older than them even cause he was in, in my grade. Uh, but Ruth was the woman. And, uh, and I noticed it was this thing where Ruth, Ruth kept tagging along with me while we were playing guns. I don't, I got no idea why, uh, other than the fact that I am just a fucking charisma magnet. I'm a, you know, that, uh, LLCM, the ladies love cool Mike, um, in the hallways when he's playing guns. Cause he's dangerous like James Bond and hiding. And he's so thrilled. Uh, maybe, she, maybe I was giving up some sort of pheromone because I enjoyed hiding from people. That's, I was that. And so she, she was tuned into it. I have no clue. But fucking, we were, we were playing guns and we were hiding in a stairwell. I'll never forget it. And we're sitting on the stairs and uh, she's like, do you think they're going to find us here? And I'm like, well, they're on the other side of the building. We're talking gun strategy at this point, even though there's palpable tension that something could happen. And again, when you're in eighth grade, you don't have any idea what that is. Like you, you in your brain, you're like, am I just going to climb on this chick? Like, what do I do? Do I fucking run? Uh, I, you have no idea how to proceed. I had no clue what to do. And she's got a lot more experience than me because she's in high school. And, uh, and we're sitting on the stair, the stairs right next to one another and our, our legs are touching and our shoulders and arms are touching and she's on my right hand side and I'm, she's like, uh, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And she goes, they're not going to catch us. And I'm like, no. And she goes, well, what would make you feel better about it? Or not about it. What would make you feel better? I said, what? And she goes, well, like you, if we're okay, what, what would make you feel good right now? And I was like. And I, 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 this is what I said, sadly, because even, but I tell you what, even though I must, I must commend myself because I, I caught the signal. I could have been completely oblivious. Uh, see me naked and oblivious and you don't see me. That's uh, three Libras. I think that's three Libras by a perfect circle. Um, and I said, well, I'd, I'd feel better with my face pressed against your face. <laughs> that was it. That, I mean, I picked up the, I, I picked up what she was laying down, uh, but then that was my approach. I, you, I'd feel better with my face. And it was, I almost did this lean. Like again, she's on my right hand side. So it was like, I lean my face and then lean against her pressed against. And then the third one, cause I was getting closer to her, your face. And I was kind of like right by her at that point. 
And uh, she fucking got like the biggest smile because she understood that I understood. And she and we, she just grabbed me again, arms around the old uh, and pulled me forward almost on top of her and just making started making out with me. And I didn't know what the fuck to do. I'm just like, you know, uh, that was because this is my first French kiss. All right. And this is eighth grade. Um, and, and we're fucking going to work. And I'm like, I just I'm just flying as much tongue as I possibly can. Cause I don't know at that point. I'm in a gunfight. I, you just start shooting. Right. Uh, which in eighth grade, that sounds really bad. But I promise I didn't go off in my pants. But fucking, uh, but again, you're, you're, you know, look, I, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this phrase, rock hard eighth grader. Clearly that's who I was at that point, because the second that happened, we started making out and I was like, forget it. I, and then, you know, you don't know the procedure. Like, do I want to, do I want to put her hand on me? Do I want to grab her? Do I want to do it? But I, but also at the same time, you're so unbelievably grateful that this is happening. Like you don't, you don't want to mess it up and you don't want the moment to ever end. You don't want to make a clumsy move for a boob. You don't know what you're supposed to do. You don't know if you want her to touch you or you don't want to put, put her hand on your leg or, you know, you don't do any of it. You're just like, and, and at least I did in the beginning. I wasn't, I wasn't that dude. You know, when I got into freshman year, things got a little weirder and we know about that story, but I, but I just, we just, and we just made out furiously on this stairway. just right at the top step, just fucking going to work. And nobody burst in. It was a magical moment because, again, look, I don't know if you're aware of this. We could have been shot at any time. There's there's at least eight other guys with guns in this building chasing us. So clearly that's what we were overwhelmed by. We were overwhelmed by the, the danger and the 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 short window, the short window, the illusion of safety. That certainly had us feeling uh, randy, I suppose, is the word I would use. And, uh, and I guess just my every bit of my eighth grade animal magnetism that I brought to bear on this poor Ruth, she couldn't help herself. She practically threw herself at me, for Christ's sake. My face pressed against your face. Oh, oh my God. But it worked. And, uh, and I got to know Ruth's tonsils very well for a very, it seemed like forever. It was awesome. Uh, but I, and, and I, she was wearing a peasant shirt. I'll remember that. It was like this white thing with like a frilly collar that kind of hangs. So you could see her, she had gigantic boobs and I could see her rack, like the cleavage. Uh, but I wasn't gonna, I, I just didn't, I wasn't look, I knew enough to pick up uh, what would make you feel better right now? Like, as she kind of like batted her eyes at me, but I didn't know enough to go, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? Let's get your shirt off here in the old stairwell, which is, which by the way, now, you know what? Maybe there's, here's the thing this, now that I'm, I'm unpacking, I'm, I'm peeling the onion. Maybe this is why I've been, a uh, uh, I've enjoyed, uh, for lack of a better term, public sex, you know, like I've had sex at a supermarket and any number of cars and fucking, you know, cars with people in them and all sorts of shit. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a thing <laughs> that I enjoy. Maybe, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to boil it down. I, I think honestly, patient zero for that for me was Ruth. Cause Tian is doing it in a classroom. Everybody can see it, whatever the fuck. And we're all resting cause we're on a milk break, whatever. But, uh, but this is in an a- actual hallway cause it combined my love of hiding with my love of, of cleavage, I think is how I would say it. And, and also just the fact that Ruth was overwhelmed by me and my, uh, again, I cannot stress enough how sticky my magnetism was back then. Oh, I had to, I had to shower several times a day and get that sticky magnetism off me. Good Christ. But yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, so that was eighth grade. Uh, one of getting that uh, done. Why is this even, how did this even start? What were we talking about? 
Was there some other kiss story I was going to tell? See, this is the danger of, of rampaging and talking about things. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, that was how I pulled it off. I was like, I would feel much better with my face pressed against your face. Good God. This, and and that, that gentleman is the wordsmith you hear before you now. Uh, oh, was this in response to a snake doing a podcast? I think it was, wasn't it? <laughs> I think I'm just telling this story for the benefit of the snake. I guess if you're a snake, first of all, get good gear. Don't buy a shitty microphone because you already got uh, a, a, a fucking you're behind the eight ball anyway because you got a lisp, a built in fucking lisp snake wise. Um, but get a good microphone so people will understand you and then tell stories about your first kiss. <laughs> um the fuck was I saying? Oh, you know what? I started this telling you a story and then I, oh, I talked about names and Sandy. Uh, and then me and Mike, I don't remember what the fuck. Oh, whatever. This ties into this fucking thing that I was going to tell you. Here, here's the deal. There's a pizza place by my house and I might, I might've bitched about this already. I'm sure I have. Cause again, my life incredibly tiny at this point. Um, but there's a, uh, oh fuck. Hold on. All right. I'm recording in the, uh, the, the thing is jumping like the, the, the audacity interface it kind of it's blinking on and off kind of that's not good all right because uh, because we don't want to lose that whole hunk of me ruth and tina uh all right so there's a pizza joint by me uh it's called gino's and it's a chicago deep dish pizza place and it's not far from my house it's it's a mile and a half maybe and when they first opened it we were crazy excited we were like i was like i can't believe they're opening at gino's and it's right by me because normally you know there's great places to eat all over los angeles but you would figure that hollywood or or you know eagle rock simi valley or not simi valley uh what's the word i'm looking for i know some other place eagle rock silver lake that's what uh larchmont like they would get first dibs on a joint like this because it seems like but they you know they went lunch bucket they went valley which i liked and again it's super close to my house and it was chicago style pizza and i was like all right here we go and i, I think again i'm not going to belabor the point but i've told you we went once the first when it, they had a soft open and it was me and dwyer gilmartin uh pat um a whole bunch of us i don't know if mike burton was with us but whatever a bunch of comics from chicago seagull and uh and we sat down and we ordered the food and it was just it was a soft open, so I was willing to give them a break, but they, they chili dipped a bunch of stuff. Like, they, they just messed stuff up, and, and they came to the table, and they, the guys who own the joint are, they're like screenwriter guys, you know what I mean? So, like, they were, they're salmon shirt guys, if that, makes you, if that tells you who they are. Button-down salmon shirts. Now, I used to have a coral shirt that was almost salmon, but that was in my older days when I, no, that's, yeah, that's, we want to talk about sticky magnetism. Oh, boy, that shirt. Uh, but these, so these dudes, and they're so intent to like get across the chicago thing like they'll just come walking up to you and they'll be like hey man what about svenguli which is this horror host in chicago like they just say chicago things and uh and and look there are a lot of people who go there for nostalgia which totally makes complete sense i i understand it but there are also people who go there for fucking pizza and i don't want to hear about 12 inch softball or 16 inch softball i should say um but that's what they do and they always they always kind of have this hardcore push to be voted the best pizza in the valley they always want you to vote on a website and shit i'm like i don't it's my own fault all right i i i you know me i'm fat i love restaurants i'm not super fat i'm super fat but uh but i love good food like i mean I, i i i like going to good places and now everywhere because they're trying to hustle and stay open they're they're selling everything they're like hey man uh, you know like you you go to you're just like hey man i just want to buy some egg foo young they're like can i interest you in a chinese finger trap no you cannot 
I could not be less interested in you or your Chinese finger trap. However, if you put out a good Egg Foo Young, I'll come back all the fucking time because it's hard to find good Egg Foo Young in Los Angeles. You have some old school joints that you can find it at, which is good. But it's always the thing where you go to a place like I, I follow places on Instagram. Now, I follow a ton of food places on Instagram just so I remember them if I ever want to go there. Like I just found a pizza place. Uh, down on the west side called Little Dynamite. And it, it's fuck. It's like Detroit style pizza. It's so fucking good, dudes. Like it's, it's here was the pizza I ordered. They had a pizza called the, the Hot Jimmy is what they call it. Uh, it's a white pie, so there's no sauce, but it has ricotta, mozzarella, sausage, uh, you know, crumble sausage, not patty, uh, whole roasted cloves of garlic, and then drizzled with hot honey on top. And uh, holy fuck, is it amazing. And the thing is, you, once it comes right, I mean, it's it's good. It, it even reheats well. But when it comes right out of the oven and you bite it, it's it's a fucking miracle because it's it's got to be, it's not a deep dish pizza like a Chicago deep dish pizza. But like I said, it's like Detroit. So it's a pan pizza. And it's about, I would say, an inch thick, the crust, maybe inch and a half. And the, it caramelizes in the pan. And do and they and they do they have also they have different kinds they have the dad which is just you know your typical pepperoni mushroom but then they have this ranch ranch dressing powder they put on on a pizza dude it's it's they put oh they had a fucking fig and prosciutto pizza they put out I didn't get to eat it I was so mad at myself whatever the fuck so I, I've what. <laughs> I've often thought of pivoting, like I, when I do the Twitch stream, we'll be talking. Like I, recently, I've been eating um, Chinese potato chips on the air because I bought a bunch of them. It's a long. Oh, I, I'll just tell you that fucking story. I never even told it on here. Um, on Twitch, I'm eating right now. I'm in the midst of eating some Chinese snacks now because I didn't Twitch for you, you know. You thought I was gone from here for a long time. I was I was, I was gone here for like seven weeks or whatever. Uh, but I fucking I was I didn't Twitch for like six months. Because I, I couldn't stream it. The camera didn't work. And I just, I felt so frustrated. And I felt, I was just beating my head against the fucking wall trying to get it going, right? So then uh, my buddy Walker came over. He's, he's a great friend and he's a tech guy. He's a, and he's a genius about stuff. And he came over and hung out with me for like two hours. And we, and we got it all fucking squared away. And I know you're thinking, wow, you were done for six months. And then he fixed it in two hours. Yes, I know. Okay, but Walker lives far away uh, uh, in Los Angeles terms, and I never wanted to bother him with it. It was one of those deals where I was like, I could do it. No, I can't. I'm in sleep, <laughs> cry. Um, but then I happened to see him at a party. I was at this, oh, this is funny. I went to my buddy Murray's uh, birthday party at his house, and uh, it's so it's so funny to go there. I think um, I told you the story last week about being at. Maybe, did I talk about Murray's party? I don't think I did. Did I? I might have. Holy shit. Jesus. I don't even know, man. Because, again, it's this thing where I t- I'm actually talking to people again, so I'll talk about stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, let's put it this way. I'm not going to go into Murray's party because I think I already told you guys about it. Um, so, uh, but I was there and uh, wh- wait, why was I there? Oh, dudes, what is wrong with me? My fucking brain is falling apart. I don't get it. Um, I was at Murray's house forget it who cares so there's uh, oh yeah i talk about food places that i like and i just save them on instagram uh i, I was oh i was talking about taking a break from twitch jesus fucking christ <laughs> i saw walker at murray's party that's why jesus just cut all of this out i need i needed help somebody get in my fucking brain so i uh 
sure enough, I meet Walker, and I, I mention, because I know what he does, you know, he actually produces Murray's game shows things, too, and so I was like, look, man, is there a way you could help me with this? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the, because he, he's like, you could probably learn on YouTube, and I'm like, dude, everybody keeps telling me that, I'm telling you, like, I turn it on, and I, I just forget it. It's, it's like an old school fucking TV show where the, a spinning wheel, like a, a hypno wheel comes on, and I just go to fucking sleep, because I, I can't. I watch those videos and and as I've talked about many times before, nobody just tells you what to do. Inevitably, it's just like when I was a child, which I guess is what I'm doing here on this podcast. But at the same time, there's you're just here listening to a podcast for whatever. You're not here trying to learn how to change the oil in your fucking car, because if you were, you'd be pissed at me right now because you'd be like, hey, we're trying to learn how to put the oil in our car. Nobody cares about your first kiss. But that's the way it is online now, because everybody tries to engage you in some fucking weird way, because as I've said, Everyone believes that they're a charisma blowtorch and they're going to fucking turn you into a fan forever because they told you some anecdote about their puppy. I mean, what the fuck? Who cares? That's what that's. I'm going to bitch about it all the time because it comes up. But at the same time, please know that I've I'm positioning my brain to the point where it's like this is just the fucking world now. There's nothing you can do about it. It's not like you can change it. Everybody in the world thinks they're interesting and they're going to fucking come at you from that vantage point. You know, it's just this, I, I went to a, dude, I went to a fucking, all right, real quick, before I do that, um, all right, I have to tell you about the chips for Twitch, but also let me tell you about the interesting thing. Well, no, I'll tell you that in a second. Let's do the chips first. So, uh, so I haven't been on Twitch in six months. And one of the things I used to do on Twitch is if I'd find a weird soda or I'd find a weird bag of chips, I'd buy it and then I'd try it on the air. It was fun. But the thing is, I haven't been on in six months, so I, I find I found weird sodas. I had like four weird sodas in my fridge, and I don't open them because I'm not. I don't buy soda to drink. I buy it to fucking drink on Twitch. And if I'm not twitching, what's the fucking point? But now it's in my fridge, so I got to do something with it. Uh, and so then I bought. I, I I was at, all right. I was at a place called. I was coming home. I was helping Lily. I dropped her off, and I was coming home, and there was a. I just needed a lottery ticket. Um, <clears throat> so I, because at the time, this is this is a few months ago when literally it was over a billion and then also the other one was like 800 million and then also the los angeles one was 80 million which is ridiculous when the local lotto gets that high that's fucking insane because it usually only goes up like a million or two a week so i was like uh you know sadly i had to buy lottery tickets all the time because that is my uh, retirement plan as everyone has been told and you know this and by the way let me throw out a shout out real quick i haven't uh it's not a shout out but uh my great friend colette reached out last week after the show and i People texted me. I didn't text back. I apologize. I will, but I read them. You're all so cool. My buddy Kevin, uh, a super cool guy who, who bumped up his Patreon. I, I can't understand why, but you're so nice to me. Thank you. Um, but Colette wrote me and she's like, she was very kind. And she's like, look, man, if I ever won the lottery, I would literally pay you a salary to go have adventures and then tell us about it. And that's 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 one of the greatest things anyone has ever said to me. Just the the level of trust you would have to to fund me going off and doing crazy shit to come back and tell you about it. And not even crazy shit anymore. I'm old. But just to go see like the fucking Sistine Chapel. But then I'd probably get into a fight with somebody in line because they spilled their Fanta grape on my shoe. And I'd be like, what the fuck? Why are you bringing a Fanta grape in to see the fucking Sistine Chapel, you idiot? I'm sure they got water and crackers in there. They always have it in every fucking church. I'd probably got a vending machine with them for fuck's sake. Why not? But fucking make this place pay off for God's sakes. Look at that fresco who wants to buy some fresca. Oh my God, let's do that. Let's have a machine at the fucking Sistine Chapel selling fresco frescas. That'd be perfect. Look at me making money for the Pope. Take that, Pope. You fucking, I know you guys are on hard times now because all you do is, you know, fuck kids and then, and then have, you're only open one day a week, Sundays. 
That's I can look. I'll re, get me in charge of this stuff. I'll I'll make the Catholic Church some money because we all know that they're going broke. Oh, we all we all know that they're having trouble may, keeping the lights on over there at the fucking Catholic Church. <laughs> Fresco Frescas. That's not bad at all. I feel good about it. I'm. You know what? That might be the name of the show. Hold on. Let me jot that down, people. Fresco Frescas. Yeah, yeah, baby. Oh no, I put an apostrophe in it. Um. So, but look at Colette. Look, see, all right, see Colette's even Colette's willingness to send me on the road to do things with funding uh, has invented Fresco Frescas. Look at what we're, what we're doing. God damn, I should be that like that fucking who's that guy? Uh, the Rick Steves is that his name? Rick Steves Europe guy goes and he he's like looks at a weird rock formation, does a half hour PBS show on it whispers into a microphone and gets paid. I could do that shit. Send me somewhere interesting. Send me somewhere uninteresting. I'll make it fucking interesting. Who cares? If I, you know, if I go there and it's uninteresting, it'll be, I'll just danger field on a golf course. It. I'll just fucking do some, do some dumb shit. And hey, we're all going to get laid. And boom, we got a show. PBS is putting it on. Everybody's making cash. God damn it, Colette. You'll get a, you know what? You'll double your investment. I'm going to throw this out there for everybody, not just Colette, but for everybody out there. If this, this becomes a thing, we all sort of, you want to have a, uh, where in the world is Mike Schmidt Diego? Let's fucking do this and fund me to go places. Then I'll come back and do shows about it. And you'll double your investment in a year. I, pr- I that's my, that's my promise to you guys. You'll double your investment in a year, maybe not in cash, but certainly in good feelings and wonderful entertainment. <laughs> so if you gave me 10 bucks and said, Hey man, go somewhere fun. Uh, I'll go do a fun thing and I'll do a show and you might not get your 10 back. And I say double, you might even get your 20 back, but you will get $20 worth of fun and entertainment out of that 10 because I will, I will beat it to fucking death. I will white knuckle the fuck out of that adventure to make sure you got your 20 bucks back or, or double your 10 is what I should say. You're not even getting 20 bucks back. You can't invest 10 and me telling you your double investment and expect 20. Don't ever expect 20, expect your 10 back. You'll get that back. But now what I'm telling you is you might not get 10 bucks back, but you'll get $20 worth of, of incredible fun and descriptions like Fresco Frescas. Look at me. The Pope, the Pope right now, it's, I don't even know what fucking time it is in Italy. I'm assuming it's fucking one in the morning. Uh, cause it always is whenever they would do a thing with the Pope, it always be some mass at like fucking four in the morning in America. Uh, so I'm assuming it's one in the morning in Italy right now, but the Pope woke up in a cold sweat. He just woke up and he's just like, ah, ah, ah. And he turned to the boy in his bed and he said, you know what? Get a pen. <laughs> that kid's writing down fresco frescas. It's perfect. Uh, and the Pope slipped on his red shoes because uh, the angels want to. Uh, never mind. All right. So <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, the angels want to buy my red shoes. That uh, but the Pope will wear my red shoes instead. Um, take Take a letter, Giuseppe. <laughs> Kid gets up. Puts his pants back on. All right. Um, I know that people are mad now. Don't be mad. You know what? You're mad now. What would make you feel better? Let me ask you, what would make you feel better? What if my face was pressed against your face? What do you say about that? Sit with me in this stairwell and let's create memories. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, I was coming home. And I had to buy lottery tickets. Slattery? I had to buy some slattery tickets. I had to buy some John Slattery tickets. Uh, you know, from uh, from Mad Men. I had to buy his tickets. There's a great scene in Charlie Wilson's War where fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman goes in his office and they have a fucking rousing fight. And uh, and look, man, nobody, nobody got mad like Philip Seymour Hoffman. I fucking loved him so much. 
he would just get fucking furious. What did I just watch with him in it where I was just, oh, you know what? Mission Impossible 3. Because I watched all the Mission Impossibles because I was going to see Mission Impossible 7 at the, uh, at the theater. And so I was preparing myself and I wanted to watch them all. And I did. I watched them all in order because, uh, hey, man, why would you get a job? Uh, instead, I stayed home and I watched all the Mission Impossibles in order over the course of like five days. And uh, Philip Seymour, for me, we were ranking them because, I, you know, Pat loves those movies. And I was ranking them. And uh, three is three is fucking great. Three is my favorite of the series. It is so good because it it's um, not, but I will tell you this. All right. Let's talk about the Mission Impossible things for just a second. And this is the kind of shit you would have gotten if I were to do a YouTube video where I was talking about uh, last night at Schmitty's. I would have talked about all of these Mission Impossible movies. And you would have said, I can't possibly tune into that. That sounds terrible. And I add fine. Look, I spared you that. But we're doing it now. So I went ahead and I watched all of them. And uh, the first one is fun because it introduces the concept and it's got cocky crews, like cocky, young fucking, you know, and it's got the knocklist and it has one of the greatest stunts in the series where he's lowered in to steal the knocklist. And, uh, you know, you can't drop water. You can't do this. There's all these different things they keep. They 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 put Visine or whatever in the guy's food. So he has to leave the office and they lower crews in. And, and it's got Jean Reno is in it. He's a part of the team. Uh, John Voight, great actor. Uh, a little worried about him as a guy, but as an actor, oh my God, it's like James Woods. It's like James Woods is a fucking hell of an actor. He is phenomenal, man. James James Woods is a terrific actor, but unfortunately, uh, it appears that maybe he might not be the best guy. And uh, certainly Sean Young warned us because she did say that if uh, if his brain was half as big as his dick is, he would be uh, as smart as he thinks he is, I believe is what she said. Um or maybe if his brain was as big as his dick, he'd be half, he'd be half as smart as he thinks he is. Is that the phrase? I don't know. Uh, Cause that's another thing. James Wood supposedly is packing. Uh, and that was a big deal. So th- that's even worse. I mean, if a guy's got a look, pick a lane. If you have 160 IQ, you can't have a big dick. You just can't. It's just, it can't, they should do something in the womb. They should fucking snip it, whatever the fuck they should go. Hey, look at his brain. It's developing. Oh my God, that crank. And you got to go, well, pick one. You got to ask the parents. It's like painting. You got to paint the bedroom. You're going to paint it blue. You're going to paint it pink. What are you going to do? And also, it's a boy. You want him smart. You want a big cock. What do you want? You want you want fucking you want Sherlock Holmes or do you want John Holmes? Who do you want? Pick one right now because we'll take care of it before he comes out. Uh, you can't get both, but James Woods apparently uh, has both. So uh, and good for him. And be, and so because he had the big bass brain and he's super smart, and then he also has the giant fucking cock. Uh, he also got, I guess, all of the absolute entitlement you could ever imagine from having those things. And uh, and it, but you know what? It's what makes him a fantastic actor because he is a, he looks like something you would find under a rock. I mean, he, he really does. I mean, he, he can dress. You can class him up. You can put him in amazing suits and have him look fucking really sharp. Uh, you know, you know what is best? One of his, cause I love Digstown. The movie Digstown is fucking fantastic. And he's so good at it. There was a movie called bestseller. He was good. And there was a movie called cop. He was one of my favorite actors when I was a kid. Um, but, but the, uh, the fuck, what was I saying? Oh, the best he's ever been. Like he, he's in a movie called the getaway. Now in Digstown, he's phenomenal. He's kind of a hustler. Uh, and it's him and Louis Gossett Jr. And Oliver Platt. And it's, it's fucking great. Um, again, I've talked about it many times before. If you haven't seen Digstown, please watch Digstown and then tell me you watch Digstown and tell me what you thought of it. I don't want to tell you anything about it because it's one of those movies you have to see and you have to watch it unfold. Bruce Dern is in it. Uh, it's just, it's just fucking great. It's, you know what it is too? 
it's the kind of movie they don't make now. Like it's because again, it's it's a lot of veteran old school fucking actor guys doing cool shit in this, and it's a con movie. It's I don't want to I can't tell you too much about it because you have to see it. But I'm telling you, if if you made it now, it would go right to streaming probably. It would be a Netflix movie or whatever the fuck. But seeing it in a theater is one of my my favorite because I, I saw it twice in theaters. Uh, uh, well, no, I I saw it myself. I saw it like four times, but I saw it every time I would bring somebody back to watch it with me. Because there's there's stuff in it that I don't want to give away, but like we we stood up and clapped like the fir- the first time I ever saw it, people stood up and clapped in the theater. It was like what? And then I brought my brother and another comic to see it, and we were just like, what the? F-? It's so great. Everybody has the same reactions. It's great. And now you guys are all gonna watch it and fucking hate it, which is fine. But Big Digstown is amazing. It's so goddamn good. But then there's a movie called The Getaway where James Woods is the villain. Okay. And uh, it's a remake of a Steve McQueen, Ally McGraw film, and it's Alec Baldwin and Kim Basinger. And they're together as a couple in real life at that point. Okay, so they got that chemistry working. And it turns out that uh, Baldwin's a crook and he winds up having to go to jail. And then Kim Basinger has to go to James Woods, who's like kind of the not mafia, but he's a crime guy, crime boss. And she has to go to him for help. And he he walks around in fucking amazing suits just and just leering i fucking the shit out of kim basinger in the, in these scenes and leering at her like a almost like a disney cat i guess is what i would say where he's just got this giant grin because he knows like truthfully in the movie the character knows he's going to pick up Kim Basinger and put her in his mouth and pull out her bones. Like that's, if you want my help, I get everything. And you know what I mean by everything, but he always dances around it. And he's, he's just got a lot of money. So he's got these sharp suits and this amazing house. Uh, he's got a bunch of security dudes and they all even look at her. Like they know what's going to happen. He's going to fucking, he's just going to abuse her in so many ways sexually it's and she's gonna have to do it because she wants to help fucking alec baldwin but the thing is like it's it's implied he's never like hey i'm gonna fuck you or whatever but it doesn't matter how implied it is because he's just an oil slick in a five thousand dollar suit with a gigantic grin that you would see in alice in wonderland in a corner somewhere i mean it's just he's the word unctuous comes to mind you're just like he he just would be He's just breath on your neck the whole fucking time. And you're like, oh, good Lord. But he's so good at it. He's fucking perfect. And then he found Twitter and whatever the fuck else he found and whatever. And I don't care. I wish it hadn't been that way because I and, and look, I still think he's extremely talented. Like when he does the Family Guy episodes and shit, he's funny. He's just he's a talented fucking dude. It's just that, you know, he doesn't appear to be the kind of guy I would want to have a fucking macchiato with at this point. Uh but God, I loved him. Oh my Christ, I loved him. He's so good. And so he, in in those, so Philip Seymour Hoffman has that same kind of presence in certain movies. Like in the in the first uh, Mission Impossible, uh, it, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman's not in that. He's in the third one. But anyway, in the first Mission Impossible, it's good. Oh, that's what we got on from John Voight. John Voight is also terrific. Go see Coming Home. If you've never seen Coming Home, because also he's great in Heat as this like kind of fucking shadowy consigliere to fucking De Niro. It's fucking amazing. Uh, but also you should see Coming Home. Because he he wins the Oscar for coming home, and and he's he gives a monologue uh, at a, at a point. I don't want to I don't want to give it away, but ho- that it's a it's like a five minute scene 
interspersed with you're seeing the main characters through this five minute montage, essentially what they're doing, but it's all held together. The guts of it is this speech that Void is giving. And uh, my God. And as a kid, I sobbed, like not even understanding the gravity of it. Now you see it and you understand it even on a different level. And you're like, oh, man, it's just devastating. Um, Bruce Dern is in that, too. Bruce Dern is, uh, you know, look at Bruce Dern popping up in all of these great movies that I love. Uh, but boy, see, see Void in Coming Home. It's so good. And Jane Fonda is also fantastic in it. Uh, Dern's really good. It's just, but but Fonda and, and John Voight, there was, it's, uh, it was a graphic movie for its time. And there was actually rumors that possibly they were really having sex. Uh, because that at the time, there was a movie that came out called, um, I forget what it is, but it's like Donald Sutherland and Judy, Julie Christie. Everybody thought, that they really had sex in this scene. Like people on, on set were like, yes, no, they were really, that was a real thing. And then when I was a kid, when we first got cable. There was a movie called the sailor who fell with grace from the sea. And it was just filled with sex. And I mean, I believe is Christopherson in it. It might be Christopherson. And then, and I forget who the woman is. Um, but she was a very prominent seventies type actress and, uh, a lot of sex scenes in that too. So when I watched coming home, it was very graphic. Um, and again, I'm, you know, I'm 11, <laughs> so it's probably not appropriate for me to be watching a movie about Vietnam veterans coming home and what they had to face along with the possibilities of guys having sex. Uh, so, but, but, you know, as a kid, it's still, it fucking waylaid me and it stayed with me to this goddamn day. But so see that, see coming home. You should see it. It's amazing. Um, so in Mission Impossible, the first one, John Voight's in it and he does a good job, but I feel, especially after re- on the rewatch, I'm like, this is far too predictable. Like, you know, everything that's going to happen in it, every beat. And that might come from having seen so many of these spy movies now uh, that you can kind of see it and go, oh, man, they were dropping these. It wasn't even breadcrumbs. They were dropping loaves of bread for you to follow. We knew what was going on. Uh, but it's worth it to see a fish tank explode and see crews jump out a window and fucking run away. And the, the, the stunts are good. A fucking helicopter right at his Adam's apple. It's great. Um, but then the second one comes along and John Woo directed it. And John Woo arrives on set with a with an a tractor trailer full of doves and and I'm going to say a uh, an airplane hanger full of slow motion because it's those are his calling cards and that's how he does things and that's great but in the context of the film man it you just watch it and and I know there are people who love it there are people like oh my god it sets this weird tension and it's all and I'm, no not for me and it also has the worst villain of the series a guy named Doug Ray Scott who could not be less charismatic not not at all and he's an irish guy too you would imagine i'd be like well I don't, look i don't know that all of us irishmen are inherently charismatic but if you're starring in movies and you're fucking opposite crews i would imagine that you would have some sort of charisma and the funny part is fucking william maplethorpe i believe is in that movie and he, you know he's he's the guy who looks he's cruz's cousin i believe and uh, and he's really good looking. He could have been the fucking villain, but instead they give it to fucking Doug Ray Scott, who at the time, because Doug Ray Scott was one of those dudes who he had a moment where they thought he was going to be a guy and they were going to just put him in everything. He was almost Wolverine. I believe he was signed and then he got hurt or something or, or shooting on MI2 took too long. Uh, and so they went and they signed Hugh Jackman. But thankfully, because Doug Ray Scott, what a fucking mess. I don't even know what he's doing now. Like, I it's. I, I think I looked it up after I watched MI2. I'm like, this guy just disappeared, right? And I believe he did. Uh, he might have done some things. He could still be active. Maybe he's dead. I don't fucking know, but who cares? And also, Doug Ray? What the fuck is that name? Sounds like a fish you got on your wall. All right, Doug Ray. <clears throat> but, uh, but I will say this. For all the slow motion, 
for all the plot contrivances, for the fact that Ethan Hunt is doing it for a girl and not for himself or the world or whatever the fuck. Uh, Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 2 is one of the 10 most beautiful men you'll ever see in your life. And I know I'm in the tank for Cruise, so a lot of you are out there like, I don't like him, ah, whatever, he's weird looking, blah, blah, blah. He's so You know, now it's getting a little... He's doing some things that are making him look a little different that, you know, whatever. But young Tom Cruise, for me, was was a good-looking dude. But this, he's got long hair, too, which fucking... And his, you know, he, he always... I understand when he had short hair and he looks good with short hair because he's found fucking Tom Cruise. But, dude, he has long hair in this movie and you're like, holy shit. He he looks fucking incredible. I mean, I, I it was funny because he's... I believe Thandie Newton is the love interest. And uh, I'm just like, man, Thandie Newton is is gorgeous. But even she has to be going, wow, I got to step up my game if I'm in bed with this guy. Because, I mean, he looks incredible, man. There are shots of him from across like a crowded courtyard in Spain. And then there's stuff where he's in a room. And it's a he and Thandie Newton have a scene in a bathtub that's real reminiscent of Clooney and Lopez in the trunk and out of sight where they have to kind of they're like, you know, pressed against one another and talking, trying to avoid trouble. And uh it's you know he's just so fucking good looking in that movie it's 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 obscene uh but then we get to three mission impossible three i don't i don't know how we got off on this fucking tangent but we are i I promise i will get back to buying lottery tickets uh philip seymour hoffman is in three and he's the best villain for me in all of them in every single one of them the villain in in five and six is really good too and six is my second favorite one because fucking henry cavill does a fucking great job that fight scene in the bathroom that they have a restroom fight scene in a nightclub and uh and fucking Cavill, that bit where he shakes his fists out like he's loading, a, like he's loading a fucking shotgun. Holy shit! It became a meme, and rightfully so because it's fucking amazing. Uh, and that looks like a real fight. There's like real fight shit in there. I, you know me, I'm I'm a sucker for stuff that looks like a real fight. Anybody who's throwing like fucking haymakers from their ankles, you're like, nah. You you know, some sniper guy would fucking throw three jabs and knock you on your ass. But in the, in this fight, it looks fucking beautiful. Um, but in three, three has like all these amazing set pieces. With the masks and the and the misdirection and the tunnels and the fucking the the rescue scene on the bridge is fucking amazing when they break Hoffman out of the fucking out of the the convoy, it's so good it's so good. But the opening like six minutes of Mission Impossible three, it opens with a scene that takes place later in the movie, and it's it's just Philip Seymour Hoffman being this dead eye fucking villain, and Cruz having to deal with it, and I I. I won't lie. I've watched it like three times a week since. Like, I'll just throw it on just to watch the opening six, seven minutes because fucking Hoffman it is so, you know. Where's the rabbit's foot? Ethan, where's the rabbit's foot? It's not in France. I'm going to count to ten. Fucking, and he's just so deadpan and, and evil. And not, not even like, where is it? Just sinister with this absolute dead eye face. He only screams at him once. And it's and he fucking, he's just like, he's like you don't think I'll do it? And he's fucking yelling at him. Oh, it's so good. All right. So I I love seeing things that are great. Don't you? You know, there's so many things that we bitch about. There's so many things that we see or we hear. Or we're like, oh, I hate that song. Oh, I hate that movie. Oh, I hate this guy. Oh, I hate this. I hate that. And it's in, I've talked about artless snark. It's out there everywhere. I always got to make fun of everything. They got to talk about this or make fun of that or this guy and politics and fun. And I don't give a shit. You know, I want to see great stuff. I just want to be overloaded with great stuff. I have opinions, certainly, about all the bullshit that's going on, and eventually those will fucking resurface. But, man, when you see great things, you're just like, this is so beautiful. So beautiful. 
Uh, so I've been, yeah, like I watching Philip Seymour Hoffman. You're just like, goddamn. And I went and watched a bunch of like I watched Sorcerer because William Friedkin died, and I watched To Live and Die in L.A. and I watched Sorcerer and just it just amazing work, just incredible stuff. Uh, to Live and Die in L.A. is a perfect movie for me. It's it's To Live and Die in L.A. and Thief. Oh boy, I can't. I'm so excited for Ferrari, Michael Mann, and uh, and I know people are like, well, you know, it's got this and whatever. It's goofy, and I don't give a shit, man. Just give me a good ass movie. I want to see Fincher's The Killer. Yes, he said some dumb shit about the strike this week, but I don't give a fuck. I want to see the fucking. I want to see the fucking movie. I'm not, I don't go to a movie and go, oh yeah, this guy. Uh, you know, who he voted for. I don't give a shit, man. Make me a great ass movie. I, I, I just if you had if David Fincher made a movie and it had fucking John Voight and James Woods in it, that would be a fucking genius classic movie. It'd be awesome. I'm not watching a movie of their Twitter feed for fuck's sake. Are they terrible people? Probably. Yeah. Everything that they've purported to make themselves in public indicates that, yes, they're fucking off the reservation. They're bananas. Uh, but you know what? I'll go see a movie because, like, you know, it's funny. Like we have the strike here in Hollywood now. And so I'm not I mean, that's the thing is like. Am I supposed to even be talking about movies? I think we are because it was this thing where the, the guild put out a thing. The writers are on strike. So is the screen, screen actors. Guild. And it's a fucking it's it's a bad, bad situation. Like, even if they get it changed now, we, they're not the rest of the year isn't going to have much production. It's crazy what it's done to this town. And uh, but rightfully so. This is this is the line that we have to hold. And I'm not going to Norma Ray you. I'm not going to shake a sign in your face. Everybody has their own opinions. I was, I was shocked to find out that a friend of mine is anti-union. And I mean, and I grew up in the Midwest, so I'm fuck it. I'm all, I'm a union guy. I've been in SAG. I was in the fucking grocery store workers. I've been in all sorts of fucking things. And, uh, and I firmly believe that unions exist to help you and, and help the worker. And everybody will be like, Oh, they're corrupt. It's a bunch of fucking guys. Yeah. You know what? There probably is some corruption in the union. I would bet. I, I'm betting there's corruption everywhere. I bet there's corruption on the corner at the local candy store. And I bet there's corruption at the shoe factory. Whatever. It's, you know what? We live in a fucking imperfect world. You know, every, not everybody has clean hands. I would actually advance that point to say nobody has fucking clean hands. Everybody makes their choice. I'm talking to you on a fucking laptop that was probably built by a Chinese toddler with his arm hanging out of his mom's womb. I mean, Jesus fucking Christ. I, don't, I apologize. I don't think a toddler's in the womb. Please. It's a baby. It was an infant. I think three Chinese, they, they put three Chinese women in the stirrups and they brought their tables together and the kids reached out and built this laptop. That's how, that's how corrupt and, and bad it is. I get it. I understand that. I have a phone that I carry in my pocket that brings me all of the news that's ever occurred in the history of the world. All of the world's knowledge contained in something that weighs less than a pound and I carry it with me. And the price we pay for that is probably a mountain of children's skulls in China somewhere. I don't care I, I, that you're going to yell at me about it. I understand that. I get it. If we can change it, change it. If there's something we can do, we can do it. But also, no offense, but I mean, I'm not going to be talking to people with two cans on a string. It's just it's just not the world we live in. And I know that's probably blind and I've got blinders on and you're mad at me now and whatever the fuck else. I get it. Look, do I, do I wish? Because look, I mean, they're signing fucking child labor laws here. They're sending kids to work in slaughterhouses and Bart as bartender. That's my favorite part too. But they, they're like, hey man, let's give. They don't sign for these kids to work in like McDonald's. All right, they're not like, hey, you know, let's sign fast. These kids can now get jobs in fast food restaurants. No man, in the Midwest, they're working in slaughterhouses. They they can now serve like kids in the South can serve drinks if they're sixteen. What the fuck? Why is a kid in the bar? 
You're, you're raising a generation of spiders just waiting to get shot by a generation of Joe Pesci's. What the fuck, man? Get these kids out of the fucking bar. No kids in the slaughterhouse. You know, I, believe me, high school's enough of a slaughterhouse when you're 16 years old. You don't need then to go see bolts blasted into fucking blasted, blasted, bolts blasted into fucking calf skulls. You know, fuck me. It's like you know, we're 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 months away from you know, uh, mommy's little homemade foie gras kit, where you just kid orders it and he gets a fucking box and a duck, and they're like, all right, buddy, let's go. <laughs> and he just fucking comes home from school and he gets a stick to shove corn down its fucking throat. What the fuck, man? I don't know. I mean, again, it's like when uh, there's someone who said it, I, I don't know who, but they were like, why can't we teach AI to get the plastic out of the ocean instead of teaching it to write a poem, right? Fuck, let people write poems. We have human experience. Let me write a poem about getting plastic out of the fucking ocean. How about that? Instead of fucking having AI go ahead and write scripts and movies and shit. Like, they're like, it's so dumb because they're whatever. They don't want to pay people. It's fucked. It's a terrible thing. And uh, and I have a friend who's just like, hey, man, Hollywood people make too much money. And uh, and I'm like, you you're Hollywood people. I don't know if you were that you've worked in the business like you've you've worked on shows, you've done things. And yeah, but, you know, I think everybody makes too much money. And I'm like, and it's that thing where it's the same thing when people say to me about athletes, oh my God, they're getting paid to play a child's game. And it's like, well, I hear you, but they're the ones playing the child's game that you pay to go watch and see. Nobody pays to watch fucking the Wilpons when they owned the Mets play fucking chess in their fucking owner's box. Nobody gives a shit about those assholes, but they're the ones getting paid a fuck ton of money. And then someone will come along with, well, they built the business and so they should get the fruits of the labor, blah, blah, blah. Well, then you find you can pay the labor to give you the fruits. What the fuck? I don't understand that issue. And again, it's that thing where it's built in because people are upset and people are mad that other people get to play a game for a living. You see people all the time like, oh, I played baseball when I was a kid and I never got a fucking contract. Yeah, because you sucked. You can't hit a curveball. You got a club foot. You can't run. You're fucking terrible. World needs ditch diggers too. Ask Judge Smales. He'll fucking tell you. But then you're mad and then they're like, oh, I can't believe. And then, you know, I just, I, the way they frame stories is so ridiculous. Like today, there's a pitcher named Steven Strasburg, pitcher for the Washington Nationals. And uh, he has to retire. His, he can't pitch anymore. His arm is fucked. The thing is, they won the World Series like four years ago, I'm going to say, three or four years ago. And then right after the World Series, he was a free agent. So he picked the best time to have his best season. And he's a he was a great, he was a fucking phenomenal pitcher. I think he struck out 14 in his first ever game. He's just one of those dudes. And he's always had some issues with injuries because pitchers do. It's an unpredictable system. And, and your arm, who the fuck knows when it's going to explode? Nobody knows. It's a ticking time bomb. Always has been. Not everybody's Nolan Ryan. In fact, nobody else is Nolan Ryan, but that's always the one people go to. Nolan Ryan could throw 400 innings and never had a problem. Great. I fuck. We'll find his spaceship and find out where his home planet is because he's the only fucking one. Quit trying to compare these people. J.R. Richard was a guy six foot eight who threw fucking he threw just like Nolan Ryan. And then he got a blood clot and fucking dropped him and he never pitched again. Jesus, he just died. These people are he didn't just die with the blood clot. He just died recently. But but it's. People get mad and they draw these unfair comparisons. So Steven Strasburg is a guy right after the World Series. I think he signed a seven year, two hundred and forty five million dollar deal with the Nationals. And he, you know, he was a free agent. He had every right to do that. They signed him. He had been a Nationals whole career. And he was like, I'm going to finish my career. here. I love it in D.C. And ever since then, I think I think total. In the three years since he signed that deal, I think he's only pitched like. Twelve games, maybe 15 games because his arm fucking fell apart. 
And so he's been sitting out and he's discouraged because he wants to pitch. And, and look, man, that's another thing is people think that these athletes are like, ha ha score. Now I can just get you this money the rest of my life. Well, no, man, they want to pitch. They, the reason they got to the major leagues is because they're psychopaths. And what they do is they chew fucking bullets to be tough enough to play at the fucking highest level for your entertainment and enjoyment. So when that's taken away from them at the age of 32 and they don't have a fucking future in front of them and you're like, well, they've got $200 million. They got a real future. Yeah. But, you know, there are 75 year old people who get jobs at Walmart and McDonald's. Some need it, get it because they need it clearly. But there are some people who are like, oh, man, I'm tired of puttering around my house. I need something to keep me busy. Imagine having that at 32. And also imagine being a high class, world class athlete for your entire life, fighting, clawing, biting and getting up to the top of the mountain and then an injury lays you low at 32 and the thing you've chosen to do and worked your whole life to do is taken away from you. There's really no amount of money that can compensate for that if you're the competitor that you think you are. And so when people bust balls on these guys, it's just, it's like, dude, man, do you think he's happy being hurt? Look, man, there are some people who dog it, certainly. There are some people who might not put forth the effort or some people who appear to, but also if you're playing 162 games and you're not busting it down the line every single time, oh, well, I mean, you know, that's, it's, it's the way the fucking world works. People, nobody owes you a sprint. Get off their dick. But that's the way it is. People get mad at athletes. They don't get mad at the owners. They will sort of, but then when it comes to any sort of contract dispute, they blame the fucking player. Oh, you should give us a hometown discount to play here. Hey man, I'm not from Pittsburgh. Fuck off. There's no hometown discount for me. You grew up here. You eat French fries on sandwiches. That's your fucking problem. I want to get the fuck out of here where the sun shows up and I don't smell coke, coke smoke in the fucking air from your steel mills. Do we still do that? We used to make steel in this country. I don't know if they do in Pittsburgh anymore, but certainly one of their teams will tell you they do. But fuck. So Steven Strasburg, he's he's going to retire. It comes out like a week and a half ago. And the press conference was for Saturday. They were going to honor him at the park and all this kind of stuff. And they wound up canceling it yesterday. They said because there's a dispute about how much money he's going to get paid. Because here's here's the way it works in baseball. He signed a seven-year, $245 million contract. They owe him $245 million, period. There's no negotiation. That's why these people insure these contracts so they can get the money back from insurance. But guess what? The brilliant Washington Nationals didn't get insurance on Strasburg's contract. So they're on the hook for $245 million. So he had mentioned he was going to retire, and I thought it was a cool thing. He was going to get nominated, you know, like a, a, a big thing at the park. They'd probably put his number on the Wall of Fame eventually. and But they canceled this because the Nationals are trying to offer him a settlement. And that's the shit you do in football, you know, because their players union is so fucking weak. They've allowed the owners to just basically call the shots all along on transactions and taking money away from people. And they can just void contracts whenever they fucking want to. But in baseball, you owe the money that you signed the player to. That's it. Pay him. And now they were like, so I guess they've been trying for a week to figure out some negotiation where they were going to give him like a a lesser amount or they were going to pay him over the course of like 50 years, I read in one article. And, And he's just like, yeah, fuck that. And so they canceled the fucking ceremony. And they canceled the ceremony because the fucking team is trying to get out of the money that they owe the guy. And fans... Are siding, I'm just, I shouldn't even tell you. I should just have you guess. Who do you think the fans are signing with in just the short amount of time I've, I've seen reaction or feedback to this? Do you think they're siding with the pitcher who won them a World Series three years ago and gave them so many joyful memories as he struck out guys and threw amazing games, including, I think, the only no-hitter in the history of the franchise? 
Uh, well, I think the Expos might have had one too. But as, as a national, I think he might have the only no hitter as a national. Scherzer might have thrown one too. Regardless, he he's 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 been a lifetime Washington National. He was your guy. It's like Kerry Wood was a, a Cub, a lifetime Cub, and then his arm fell apart. Nothing you can do about it. Uh, but guess who the fans are supporting? If you said the pitcher who brought them all of that joy, you would be wrong. You would be so wrong because they're like, oh, how greedy is he, man? If he can't perform, he should just fucking, he should just fucking leave. Like he's lucky if he gets any of this contract, like they should just give him, you know, like a a, a couple million dollars. He's already, he's already made, you know, 75 million or a hundred million in his career. Why does he need more? And you're just like, fuck you all, every single one of you. If you were at a job and you couldn't do that job anymore and you had a contract and they came to you and said, well, hey, we're not going to give you any of that money. How quickly would you call Johnny Cochran Jr. Jr. Jr.? You'd fucking get him on the phone instantly and he would make whatever point he had to do short of trying on more gloves to tell you that they didn't fit and they must pay your fucking contract. And, and instantly. But again, because he's a baseball player, you all think you can shit on this fucking guy and be like, uh, and I don't look, it's not the accusatory you at you guys. I'm talking about fans who are rebelling or angry about this fucking thing. Um, he, he, he gave everything he had to give and he can give no more. And you just want to kick his ass out the door with no fucking money. You want to say, ah, I get lost. Whatever, buddy. Hey, thanks. Next man up. Cause that's another thing they've breathed. They've, they've burned into your fucking brain. Uh, the best ability is availability. So get lost, man. We can't have you around. We're not going to do it. Hey, you know what? Next man up. That's how it works. You know, as a team, next man up. We got, it's like, what the fuck? Like, dude, this guy gave everything he fucking had. And now that would be, it would be like if the guys from Sparta came home and their general was like, you know, he had a busted arm and a busted leg. And he's like, he had won some huge victory. And then you kicked him in the pit. Are you going to kick that guy in the pit? Who's kicking Strasburg into the pit? This is Washington and you boot him right into the pit. Look at what you did. God damn it. Why do people side with the owners? Why do you side with billionaires? Why do you support these fucking assholes? And it's, it's this weird phenomenon. I know it's because everybody thinks they're going to be a billionaire someday or whatever the fuck, or they want to get noticed by the billionaire who thinks they're cool. But fuck, it's like, on, you know, when you go on Twitter and fuckhead who owns it now, Elon Musk, he, that, that guy, he, and he, and he said this week that he bought it now because it turned his daughter into a communist and I, whatever. I don't give a shit. I don't care about his politics. And he's just a, he's a fucking jughead. But the fact that he would buy it, that's my favorite thing that you, if you've got enough fuck you money to buy like the, you know, the, the largest internet online media company in the world, because you were mad at what it, it made your daughter sad or it made her, she didn't listen to you anymore. You got too much cash. You know, fuck me, man. You could take, you, you know what you could have done? You could have bought shoes for everybody. That's what I would start. I would start a fucking charity and I would call it shoes for everybody. And I mean, everybody I would, I would look, I don't know if we build the shoes. I'm not, I, we're, we're ground flooring. We're spitballing this right now, but we would somehow find a way to make sure everyone on the fucking planet who wanted them. Again, I know all about consent. I'm not going to shove my shoes on your feet if you don't want them, but I would give free shoes to the world. If I had that kind of money, you know what I mean? But instead, they always invent the laser that's going to cut James Bond in half. What the fuck is your problem, man? They're going to, you know what we're going to do? We're going to melt the ice caps and build the biggest arc because I want to relive the Bible because that sounds like fun. No, fuckhead. What if you did this? What if you found clean drinking water for everyone in America? What if you did something like that? Wouldn't that, you'd be, 
You'd be in history books. Oh, I forgot. They don't want any more history books. Jesus, fuck. What a planet. I don't know, man. And I, and look, I'm not, you know, I'm not sitting here boohooing this shit. I think it's fucking ridiculous, quite frankly. Like I told you, it's this thing where the very fact that idiocracy was a fucking a, a truth telling document rather than a fucking goofy movie. It's insane. What do I know? But anyway, so they're fucking on, they're on Strasbourg's ass. But his union is strong and, and he, he they're going to pay him the money. They can sue him and cry and bleat and whine and, and whatever the fuck they want to do. But you know what? All those golden fucking tears are just going to form a golden cobblestone walkway that he's going to walk to the bank and get his $200 million. Because fuck off. Because a union was there and was strong, in my opinion. I know I'm going to get notes about that shit. But like, but I, but I have a friend who's like anti-union and he's like, yeah, everybody makes too much money. And I'm like, well, yeah, but David Zaslav, who runs the fucking WB Discovery, made $400 million last year. Isn't that, a, you know, it, and he's the one they don't want to pay writers. They don't want to pay. And then Bill Maher, that dumb fuck comes out and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, writers aren't owed a living. No, they're not. But, you know, when you grind and you sweat and you do what you have to do and then you get a fucking job and you're actually writing, you should there there should be a brass ring of some kind. It doesn't have to be, you know, I'm not saying you get a writing job and you're the king of the fucking world, but you should be able to make a good living doing the thing that you do. Instead, you know, they've, they've taken away a brass ring and they've put out a brass noose, you know, that when you become a writer that they get to shit on you and treat you badly and and. Uh, you know, to a certain extent, some actors, they terrify you into thinking you'll never get a gig again if you don't behave this way. It's, you know, I've worked. It's funny. There's a story that just came out today about Jimmy Fallon and The Tonight Show being a terrible place to work. And they said that there was a crying room and like all these things. And there are people who are like, oh, toughen up, whatever the fuck. And it's like you, you, I have worked in the lowest rung of show business okay i have worked in game shows now granted podcasting probably the lowest rung of show business right now i know it's popular but let's be honest it's it's me in my house but i also worked at jobs where i had a writing gig and i had writing several different writing gigs at different shows and uh and the days that it was great and it was fun and you were creating were fun the days that network executives sent you your script back and told you you were fucking incompetent were not fun at all you know, there was never if they would just say, hey, look, what if we did it this way? Or, oh, you know, you should probably think about this. I mean, I would get red pen shit and they'd be like, this isn't fucking right. And I shouldn't be the one telling you this. And you're just like, yay. And I know you're going to be like, well, that's very sensitive. We all get criticized at work. And it's like, yes, we do. But do we have to get criticized in that way? Because I do find that toxically in it's it's baked into me when I see somebody saying stuff. I'm just, like there was a writer, a woman who worked at the at the World Wrestling Federation, the World Wrestling Entertainment. And uh, she sued them, like a racial discrimination lawsuit. And she mentioned some of the stuff that went on backstage, and it was a, a character was being treated in a way that she didn't agree with racially. And I read this story, and I was like, well, then fucking quit. What the fuck are you doing working at WWE? It doesn't make any sense. This is how they do things. Um, but then she sued, and there was a settlement, and I think she got some money out of it, which makes sense. Uh, but it, But we're at a very strange place where the world is changing rapidly, and glacially at the same time, like a lot of young people who are getting into industries and businesses are, are seeing things and going, nah, this isn't cool. This isn't the way it should be. And then everybody who's worked in those businesses forever is like, this is the way it's always been. So good fucking luck. You know, like kitchens. I've talked about this on here before. Kitchens are fucking terrible. 
you know, people getting hit with spatulas, throwing dinner rolls at somebody's head, fucking Marco Pierre White screaming at you and shit. That stuff's crazy. And that's what you put up with to stage at a restaurant. In The Bear, they dealt with it really well. That scene where fucking uh, Jeremy, uh, I don't think it's his name, uh, Carmi, where Carmi, Jeremy's his real name, where Carmi is working and Joel McHale is the chef whispering in his ear about how fucking terrible he is. That shit's real. You know what I mean? That stuff happened and happens right now. But after the Me Too stuff and a lot of people started filing lawsuits, you can see guys like John Besh and Mario Batali and all these guys get fucking taken down, man, because young people aren't going to put up with it. But at the same time, there's people who've worked in it the whole time who are just like, let's put it this way. The people who went through the horrible shit and came out on the other side, like fucking Tim Robbins out of a sewer pipe are like, why the fuck don't they have to crawl through shit? I had to crawl through shit. And in reality, you should look back and go, I don't want anybody to have to fucking crawl shoot through shit. I felt terrible when that happened. But a lot of people have this sense of, hey, man, I fucking did it. You should, too. And a lot of that is bleeding into like the, you know, the college fucking the, the student loan debt. Hey, man, I paid my loans. You should pay yours. Well, these are predatory loans. And, you know, people are still paying 30 years after the fact. Well, you went to college, didn't you? You fucking signed the paper. Well, yeah, but you recognize that this could almost be like a Rico fucking case against all of these fucking student loan assholes because they tricked people into like, there's a case right now when, when there's no oversight and there's no real oversight for student loan debt, because they're just like, well, look, you got to take a loan if you want to go to school and you got to go to school if you want to get a good job. And so you got to do this. And then you just sign the piece of paper when you're 18 and then you're 37 and you're still paying fucking $1,800 a month because of interest or whatever the fuck else. And it's, it's, I had a, my, I remember my friend like five years ago, he, f- he finished paying his student loan debt and he was so excited. He was just like, yes, you know, I mean, he's 48, whatever the fuck I'm like, Jesus. So that's, that's just crazy. Like you, they always give you that thing where like, well, you'll get a job and you'll just pay it off, but it just keeps fucking compounding in some way. And, uh, it, it just, it just happened this week where I was seeing that there was, what was it? Something else where people were just, they wound up having these loans that they, oh, it was a college, there's a thing called NIL. They started paying college athletes. And it's, it, the deals are called NIL, name, image, and likeness. Okay. So it's an NIL deal, name, image, likeness. And what they do is they pay the athlete a, a salary and then he can, they can use his name or his image to advertise a car dealership or he can do local commercials or, you know, that sort of thing. It's a deal not under the table, but it's kind of the wild west now where there's no real oversight. So of course, bad actors are going to find their way in. And one of these bad actors signed a guy. Well, I read a story last year. There was a quarterback who went to Florida, university of Florida, and there was a collective where they promised him, I think $2 million and he was going to come and he signed and then he showed up and then they fucking never paid him. And then they just said, ah, we're bankrupt. We're not going to pay you. And then he dropped out of Florida and then he had nowhere to go. He couldn't commit anywhere. And he's a quarterback. He's a kid. He's a kid. And I know you'll say, well, that kid signed a deal and where's his parents? And it's like, well, look, now we're getting into a different area where you see a lot of these kids that are playing college football and they see that as their escape. So they'll sign any piece of fucking paper you can give them because they might live in a single parent household or they've been poor their entire lives or maybe they're the first person to ever go to college for their team, for their family. And in the NFL, it's there's nowhere else to go. You can't like go, I'll just go play in the USFL for a year. Cause you're not going to make any fucking money. And if you blow out your ankle, you're fucked. Uh, I don't know why I chose ankle. Why didn't I choose knee? Um, so, so it's, it's a weird space for everybody. So all these 
predatory people can get involved. And it just happened with a guy that the Bears drafted. There's a guy the Bears drafted, Jervon Dexter, who I believe also went to, might have gone to Florida State. And he had signed a deal for name, image, likeness. But here was the thing. They gave him $300,000. Okay. But uh, that was against, I believe, 50% of his earnings for the next 20 years. And I, I'm I'm pulling numbers out of my ass there, but but not by much. It's that crazy. It's literally like here, we'll give you three hundred thousand dollars, and then we'll get half your income from football and endorsements, all of it, all of his income for the next like twenty years, I believe it was. And you know, he found a lawsuit, and I would have never known about it if he hadn't filed the lawsuit. Clearly, and then I read it, and I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, is, is there? Because your brain goes, wasn't there like a dad or an uncle who could have sat with him when he signed shit? And it's like, well, no, maybe not. And maybe there wasn't a mom and maybe she had to work. And maybe when you're a kid who's eating fucking saltines and and tuna, $300,000 sounds pretty fucking amazing. Now, I will also tell you this. If you're a kid eating amazing food, $300,000 sounds pretty good. Because when you're fucking 19 or 20... You get 300 grand and then you go out and buy, you know, three Range Rovers and get your mom half a house and then buy all your buddies a bunch of shit. Well, that 300 grand is gone. And then and you can very easily just go, well, that sucks. I want my money back. I'm going to sue. And I wouldn't agree with that. If you got the 300 grand, and you spent it like an asshole. And then you were like, fuck this. I don't want to deal this. Do go with this deal. Well, fuck you. You know, caveat fucking emptor. But the very fact that they had this against half of his earnings for the next 20 years, it was like, fuck this, man. You know what he should do? Give him, their, give him 300 grand back from his first fucking pro contract and you're done. Essentially, it was it could be. Or, or, and even if you did it like this, you could say, you know what, man, I'll give you back your 300 grand and I'll give you 100 grand on top of that. You make 100 grand for your initial investment and and everybody's happy. You can take that because he signed the deal he signed with the, the Bears. I think he got a like like a four million dollar signing bonus or something. So, you know, you give him 10% of that and you were done. There you go. Take that. Uh, because he, you know, he filed the lawsuit because they wouldn't take, he kept trying to tell them no and they wouldn't take it and they started to come for him. So he sued and uh, he won. For now, you know, he won in one courtroom and they said, no, this is clearly predatory and ridiculous. Uh, but I'm sure they'll judge shop and they'll appeal it to here and they'll appeal it to there and eventually to get to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court will go, we hate you. And then somehow he'll have to pay. I, don't, I have no idea. Who knows, man? Because it's all every every day I read this story. They're like this: uh, an appellate court overturned this, and you're like, okay. And everybody's like, yay! There was it's like the old movie, like Monty Python, and there was much rejoicing, yay! Uh, and then the next day, another appellate court said no, boo! And it, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? How many appellate courts are there? A billion? And then they move into federal court. And then you get into like local Supreme Court and then state Supreme, whatever. the I don't even fucking know. What did I, what am I, Civics Johns? I don't think I am. I am not Civics Johns. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't know how the fuck that came up. See, you know, this is what the show, it's dangerous, man. The show is just this, you know, I, when, when uh, it's in, and, and this is the thing you might get on YouTube when I start doing those shows. Hey, last night at Schmitty's, you know what? Um, all right. So let me, let me pivot and finish this story. First of all, if that snake is still listening, this is what a podcast is. None of this bullshit with a time limit where you're, everybody's talking to their friends and everybody's laughing too much at jokes that aren't funny. Uh, podcasting is one guy laughing at his own jokes that aren't funny. That's that's what you're looking for. That's what you're leaning into as a, as a cold-blooded snake looking to his eyes. 
uh-uh, he's been telling lies. Oh, maybe, you know what? If you're a snake, start a Paula Abdul podcast. All right, here's a better idea. If you're a snake, I give this to you free. Yeah, I don't even expect any money. For, I'm not going to come for you. I don't care what the, I don't care if you, <laughs> you can call the union of the snake and, and they will, they will support you and that's fine. It's all that was loud and I was so far away from the microphone. I'm going to have to remember that. What is that? That's at one. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, if that, I apologize. If I don't get to reduce that sound, I'm sorry, but I'm, I literally turned my head away. Like I, I was back here, which I don't know how this sounds like talking, but I, yeah, like I yelled out that way. Now I'm back toward the microphone. So now I, I don't know. That seems weird. All right. <laughs> Cause I looked at the blue lines and I buried the fucking thing and I didn't mean to. Uh, so snake, I, I give this idea to you free. If you should do what you're calling like the Paula Abdul podcast, uh, call it straight up. If you're a snake, here's what you do straight up analyzing the career and music of Paula Abdul. All right. Hosted by fucking Stevie snake or whatever the fuck your name is. Uh, Shane snake. Maybe, you know what? Maybe it's Sandy snake. We were talking earlier. Maybe you're Susan snake. Who knows who you are? Uh, I don't know if you're a lady snake, a man snake. I don't know. You're sibilant. I know that sibilant. Uh, so if you're a snake, here's the podcast you host. You host straight up with an exclamation point, colon, the music and career of Paula Abdul, a discussion of the music and career of Paula Abdul. Okay. And everybody's like, well, I like that. That sounds fun because she was a Laker girl and she, and then she was a recording artist who was a friend, really tight friend with Arsenio. And then she went on to be a Paula, uh, the judge, the, 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 on, you know, the, the glamorous judge, I'm going to call her on American Idol. And she's a, a choreographer, choreographed many great, like Tony Basil level choreographer. You know what I mean? She's out there getting it done. Uh, so you have so much to discuss on this podcast. Straight up, exclamation point, colon, a discussion about the music and career of Paula Abdul, hosted by Sandy Snake, Stevie Snake. And everybody's like, well, this is something I want to listen to. And this is where this is where being a snake comes into play. Brace yourself. You do the show, and the first one, you're going to say, we're going to talk about uh, the song Cold Hearted Snake. We're going to go in a deep dive. And you talk about Cold Hearted Snake. You talk about who wrote it, talk about her performance, maybe you have some live snippets of her performing it live. And you talk about what it made you feel as a snake, how it made you feel inside and what it brought to the table to hear that. Did you, was it, was it cool to get snake representation or did you not like the fact that the connotation of a cold hearted snake was negative and it made you feel bad in your snake skin. So you had to shed that skin and be a new snake after hearing that song. I don't know what your angle is, but you're going to discuss it and you're going to talk at length. Okay. And this gets people hooked. They're like, first of all, a snake doing a podcast is amazing, but also I like the subject matter. It's fucking beautiful. And uh, he kept me engaged. And interesting because I didn't realize that the snake community was wounded by Paula Abdul's portrayal of cold hearted snakes as being negative. When in reality, cold hearted snakes are all snakes in the world because they're cold blooded, whatever the fuck. So people are like on board with you, right? You get picked up like the onion reviews you and entertainment weekly. This is just your first episode. And everybody reviews you and they talk about this is the podcast to listen to now. Everybody loves it. And then you come back the next week and you do straight. And it's and by the way, there's a bunch of S's in straight because you're a snake. Straight up exclamation point, colon, a discussion about the music and career of Paula Abdul. Everybody tunes in. They're they're wrapped. You have them just they're around their radios like at no other time in history, even more than the War of the Worlds. You have so many people waiting for your second episode to drop because they can't wait to hear what else you feel about the career of Paula Abdul as a snake 
and you were so engaging and interesting discussing Cold-Hearted Snake in the first one, they're like, well, what could possibly be brought to bear upon Paula Abdul and her and her past and her future by, by Sammy Snake this week? And then you sit down and uh, you do another show about Cold-Hearted Snake. And repeating some of the same points, but also maybe looking at different angles and you never betray it. You never go, you know, last week we looked at cold hearted snake. Let's, let's, you know, peel the, peel the onion on that again. No, you just go from, from, Hey, we're here. Sammy snake with straight up an analysis of the music and career of Paula Abdul. And we're, this week we're going to discuss cold hearted snake and people will be weirded out. Cause at first they'll think, is this the same fucking show? But then you go with a different kind of a spin on it. You talk about it and you talk about representation again. And you have maybe a guest who discusses how they felt about it. And you go in deep and you go in depth and you talk more about cold hearted snake. And, uh, and people are a little weirded out, but you're still engaging and they understand it, but they're like, Hmm. All right. Well, I mean, it did say the music and career, and this is still part of the music, but I thought you covered it a lot last week. Eh, and uh, and then you you drop the second episode and then the third episode they're still waiting they're excited and then the third episode comes out and you fucking do it again and this time repeat shit like full blocks of what you talked about the first two weeks and if anybody writes you to complain or or, or fucking gives you a bad review you just literally just like hey man you knew I was a snake <laughs> and just fucking keep doing the same show over and over so I will say this this is a great idea. <clears throat> for three weeks and maybe after that you lose your people or but there are people who might be in on the bit and they're like i fucking love this snake and the balls he has to commit i love snake balls look at that um you just and it's i i i don't think you lose your audience quickly you do lose them but uh but it's a great bit don't you agree sammy snake i look at this i've built i don't even want any money for this i give this to you free First episode, Cold-Hearted Snake, you go in depth, people love it. Second episode, Cold-Hearted Snake, people are like, all right, well, I don't know. Third episode, Cold-Hearted Snake. And again, like I said, you never once refer to the fact that you've discussed it before. And you're, and and then, because then people will be like, this show should be called Cold-Hearted Snake. Uh, uh, you know, the a, a deep dive into the career and one song of Paula Abdul. Because there are people out there who do that dumb shit. Isn't there, someone told me, I don't know what this is. But someone told me there's a there's a was it Danny told me I don't know there's a podcast out there with somebody who likes horror movies and their partner hates horror movies and they were like you know what we need to do we need to get microphones and tell the world about it <laughs> I don't fucking know man so you're telling me that a snake couldn't do a podcast solely dedicated to exploring cold hearted snake on many different levels week after fucking week I say nay 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 is what I say to you. If I can get the women from the office telling me, you know, about a cheese it fight from fucking 30 years ago, if I can get the if I can get the women from the office talking about the, how the chili smelled after Kevin dropped it in the office and giggling furiously as they sip mimosas and count their money, then yeah, don't tell me that a snake can't talk about one song over and fucking over. It's out there. There's niche. There's, it's a niche product, clearly. But I tell you, I tell you now, snake. There are people out there who would listen. There are people out there who would pay attention. There are, I bet there's people out there who would subscribe. <laughs> I couldn't even get through it without laughing. Subscribe. Uh, that's Nag and Nagaina. Maybe they, should have, maybe they host that podcast. If Ricky Tiki Tabby doesn't kill them, they could have a podcast about it. There you go. They should do, you know, snakes do, do a fucking, that's, there's the podcast. If you're another snake, if you want to do something else, fuck mongoose, do that fucking podcast and analyze Ricky Tiki Tavi and how it made the fucking mongoose the hero. And you guys are just trying to get your fucking business done. 
You're just pythons, man. You squeeze people. It's what you do. And then they had to fucking kill you right there because you wanted to kill fake Mowgli or whoever the fuck was in Rikiki Tavi. It's an English family, right? Because I tell you this, I got to re-explore it. You know what? Maybe I open up the Rikiki Tavi vault and re-explore it because I loved it as a kid. And whenever it was on, we were just like, it was this fucking momentous thing. I loved it so much. Uh, but then now that I think about it, it might, there might be a larger, and again, I hate to be this guy because I know you're, I'm talking about reconnoitering everything through today's lens. But if you look, maybe there's a larger lesson to be learned about colonialism in Ricky Dicky Tavi. Maybe, maybe the English family doesn't settle in a country filled with fucking snakes who are just waiting to kill them. Maybe that, right? Maybe that goes and takes that to heart. See? Snake, that's all you got to do. Controversy, throw it out there, put it in people's laps. Do that, friend. So I needed to buy a lottery ticket. And uh, I stopped. There was a... Uh, uh, Look, and you can get a lottery ticket anywhere, you know, but here's the theory. You're going to make fun of me. Uh, I hadn't won, clearly, since I'm still talking to you people. Uh, Let me, I'll I'll throw this out there. Uh, Colette Lovely says that she would fund me. Like if I did win the the lottery, right, I would have to still do this podcast. But again, from different places. Like I said, I would have to be like in fucking Kuala Lumpur or some shit like that. Talking about a a bowl of rice I just ate. That'd be fucking sweet. Uh, Or I'd go to Finland and eat weird fish. And then tell you about it. Oh, fuck. That'd be beautiful. Those people are starved for entertainment, right? Finland and all that shit. I have an app. I can't tell you what it is, whatever. But I, I, uh, I have a, I have a, like a server, server app, whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's both. They work in conjunction. They work together. Uh, and, and I literally get every channel in the world. I know I've talked about it before, but I mean, I'm not kidding. I like UFCs and, you know, wrestling, whatever the fuck, but also like, there's a whole thing called Arabian television and it'll have like 40 stations uh, or, or, you know, Finnish stations, European state, all this stuff. And I can watch any of that and TV from, from India or, or Saudi Arabia. It, it, it has all of these. And I, it's like an old school satellite dish when you used to be able to hop around and look and see different things, when I, you know, behind the scenes stuff. I loved that so much. It was like this weird window. Uh, I told you, I saw Howard Cosell swear when I was watching once uh, he was talking to Sugar Ray Leonard. And uh, they actually cut in the middle of the interview and they come over to Howard and they're like, yeah, we had a problem with the microphone. We got to load some more film and blah, blah, blah. And Howard Cosell, by the way, if you don't know who Howard Cosell is, he was a very famous. He was a lawyer who then became a famous sports announcer in the 70s. He announced Monday Night Football. He was on the original team. And then also he he was on Monday Night Football and he was great on it. And he did boxing and he was great doing it. And then he did baseball and I wanted to kill him because. He had he had just had no business in a baseball booth, and it would be it would be funny to hear Keith Jackson and Don Drysdale want to murder him because Don, you know Keith Jackson would be doing the actual call. There's there's a famous I believe it's Reggie Jackson's three home run game in the World Series. He hits three home runs on three consecutive pitches in Game Six. It's fucking amazing. Again, Reggie's fucking Reggie's rule. So he uh, is in the booth. And, the, you know, the call on those should be majestic because it's it's history. It's three home runs in a World Series game on three consecutive pitches and also in basically what became the clinching game because they win the game against the Dodgers. And it's New York, L.A. It's a big deal. It's I believe it's the 77 series. And if you watched it on YouTube, uh, Reggie Jackson's there and, and he swings and he crushes one. And Keith Jackson wants to go as a long drive, deep right field off the bat of Jackson like that. You know, like you would if you were an announcer, you're going to you got a moment, right? But Keith Jackson, 
the pitch is smashed, and Keith Jackson is like, "There's a long," and Howard comes out and goes, "Goodbye, that's not that's gone." It's just, and he's just yelling to yell. He's not the play-by-play guy. He's the color guy. What the fuck are you doing? Quit stepping on Keith Jackson, man. Um, you're you know Keith Jackson gets to call that it's gone, and then you get to fill in with eloquence around it because that's who you are. You're the glib dude. You're the human thesaurus with a toupee. You're a thesaurus with a toupee. That's who you are, Cosell. But he would just he would get so. He would treat baseball like it was football, and it wasn't the same in the booth. Keith Jackson was a famous football announcer who could also do baseball. He was great. Um, you don't care. Jesus Christ. How old is this fucking show? Hey, here's who Howard Cosell was, and let's talk about the 1977 World Series. At this point, I would say gunshot, but it would have to be a musket. <laughs> That's how old this is. I would have to, you would have to hear, I couldn't shoot myself on the air because it would take whatever the rest of the broadcast was to load the musket and push it down in there with the fucking, the long pole and the, and the wad of paper and whatever the fuck else you got to do. I don't know. I'm not fucking Captain uh, Turkey Hunter, whatever the fuck. Um, I'm Joe Musket. That's why I'm Joe Musket. Not to begin with Joe the Plumber, who we lost. Oh, we lost Joe the Plumber. It's a shame, folks. Uh, you remember Joe the Plumber, guy in his yard, yelled at Obama, became famous for a while, ran for office, got his ass beat, then got fucking cancer or whatever. Uh, look, I don't want anybody to die. It's a drag. It's like Mitch McConnell. We talk about it all the time. He just keeps getting possessed by fucking haunted spirits, and he stands there for four minutes while his staff is, like, whispering in his ear. I don't want that guy to die. He's, But I don't, you know, it wouldn't do anything to me if he did. Who cares? He's a fucking asshole. He's mean to people. He's just a mean guy. Joe the plumber raking leaves in his yard, yells at Obama, and all of a sudden he's on TV all the time and he's selling stickers with his name on it. It's like, what the fuck? What a weird, what a planet. You know what I mean? You're and and then he, you know, he he became he was like anti-union and talking about owning a small business and how the costs are going to go up because of Obama. And then he he was on like he took government assistance or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's a bad thing, but but none of them ever come around and go, yeah, you know what? I was probably wrong. Uh, no, they just, you know, they unfortunately get sick and their family has to watch them waste away lying on a bed filled with their stickers. Um, Joe, the plumber. Why do I even fucking know that guy's name? Uh, Joe Musket. Now there's a guy, there's a guy I get behind. I get behind Joe Musket. Joe Musket approaches the president. Now we got a conversation. Just shows up with a fucking tri-corner hat on. <laughs> uh, tri-corner hat is the, that's the Rev- American Revolution hat. That's the, that's what Pat, Pat Patriot. Pat is wearing on the Patriots helmet, right? Uh, I think so. Um, that's a tri-corner. The other, the one I'm, the other one too is the turkey hat. I don't know what the fuck that is. A pilgrim hat, I guess. What, that one that they wore to go hunting. Uh, let me ask you this. If you're a turkey and you see two guys approaching and they're wearing tri-corner hats, you're not worried, right? Even if they're carrying muskets because you're like, those guys are just here to shoot the British. So that has nothing to do with you. You're out of that war. You don't take sides. You know, if anything, as a turkey... You're like, I, you know, and I'm on the Native American side. So which might put a little trepidation in you to dealing with Patriot Pat and his buddy in their triconer hats. Uh, but at the same time, you're like, well, this isn't my fucking bag. I'm I, I, hey, guys, you you know, my name's Paul and this is between y'all. And you go off and fucking gobble, gobble in the corner, man. Let these guys have at it. Let the British and the triconers have a fucking shooting match that takes literally seven hours because you get it takes, you know, five hours to load one musket ball and then you lose it. And then you got to find it in the dark. It's like golfing in twilight. <laughs> I shot this dude and missed. Let's go find our musket ball and try to shoot him again. That's why the American Revolutionary War took so fucking long. It's just guys out there having a gunfight. You shoot your musket. Time. Everybody has to put their musket down. You go find your ball. Go back behind the fucking. And you got to shoot again. Everybody, you know, you got to try to hit a guy and it tears through him. Because, again, you're also shooting. 
I mean, I think musket, the, the thing, it's like the size of a tennis ball, right? Doesn't it just destroy you? It goes through you like like a, a wrecking ball through an old building, right? So easy easy to find, maybe not in the dark, because it's all dark iron fucking gray. But if you're a turkey, you see tricolor hats, you're like, that has nothing to do with me. Good, go at it, fellas. I live here, you can whatever. I'll, it's, it's which one of It's literally, for my money, which one of you is going to eat me sooner? You know what I mean? I, I, I don't think the British care for turkey, so I, I guess I'm kind of rooting for them, but I'll stay out of it. Whatever happens, I'll deal with it. Gobble, gobble, walk away. But if you see dudes in those pilgrim hats, fuck that, you're rolling. And I've heard, I've, I've heard two things. I've heard turkeys are mean, and I've heard turkeys are dumb. Uh, so I, I, and one usually follows the other, really, when you think about it. <clears throat> so, uh, so I can't you turn your mean dumbness against those fucking guys when they come up with the pilgrim hat? Not a lot of podcasters are going to advocate for a turkey uprising. I will. I'm not afraid. I'm happy to do it. I'll do it right here. You know who takes that message to heart? The snakes. Because they're like, if this guy's on the side of the turkeys, he may stand with the snakes. You're damn right I stand with the snakes. Now, I, I must warn you, uh, I'm much taller than you. I mean, certainly you'll be snaking around on the ground and stuff. Uh, I can't I can't get down and, and do the shimmy, the snake. I'm not fucking a Manson family member doing the creepy crawlies, fucking sliding like a snake all through the Lobianco's Lo house. Um, but I will support you, snake, in all of your entertainment endeavors. If you're trying to bite people, I, I got to be honest, I, I'm not down on biting people. I'm not with you. Uh, but I understand it's in your nature, so I'm not going to get mad at it. It's not like I'm like, fucking snakes. Why are you biting people? What's well, right there in the fucking name? Snake. I guess it's not in the name, but it's sort of in the name. It's implied. Look, if somebody's a snake, they're going to bite somebody. If somebody's a cold-hearted snake, you need to look into their eyes. Uh-oh. They've been telling lies. <laughs> See? Look at you. I've given you this idea for the podcast. I've given you the open line. Uh, may, you know, maybe by the third episode... Maybe you say next week we're going to talk about something else. And then the fourth episode, you continue to talk about cold hearted snake. And then they go, "Uh Oh, he's now telling lies. Maybe it makes your listener say the line from cold hearted snake. I am. I am managing you and your podcasting empire. Sneaky snakes. Uh, so I had to get um, this lottery ticket. Was that, was that what I was telling you about? I think so. So I had to stop at the store and uh, I, I've lost constantly at these, at these games. Clearly. You'll win three bucks, five bucks, maybe. But but I was buying them at a 7-Eleven by my house all the time. And in my brain, I was like, because, again, you'll tell so many things. It's like when you're watching your favorite team and you're like, I got to wear a jersey that, that makes sure that everybody is going to win. You know what I mean? And you wear your favorite jersey. And then, like, a touchdown pass goes against you. And you're like, fuck, man, I'm wearing the wrong jersey. Uh, uh, or you don't wear the jersey and then they lose. You're like, fuck, it's my fault. Well, I started to think that way with 7-Eleven where in my brain, I'm like, you know what? Maybe uh, I shouldn't buy it at a corporate store. <laughs> maybe, maybe the lottery people themselves are anti-billionaire. Maybe there's some weird mojo at the smaller stores. Uh, so you got to sneak into those joints where, you know, on the sh they, they just got piles of Mexican candy to buy on the counter here in Los Angeles. It's fucking great to get those Japanese peanuts. This is, you want to talk about, it's funny, there's a, there's a scene in Gangs of New York where there's like a black dude and he's doing, he's dancing an Irish dance. And uh, Daniel Day-Lewis says some incredibly racist stuff about it. He's, and he essentially is, is like, this is America. You, know, you take a guy off the dark continent and then you add a fucking, uh, you know, this, this stupid tin whistle and look what you got. You know, that sort of thing. This is what America is. It's a melt. It's a true melting pot. And I see that in the snacks at my convenience store because they sell these Japanese peanuts, right? And uh, 
if you know what a Japanese peanut is, it's a candy coated peanut. And and I don't know why that's Japanese or if they invented it or because or, it could be one of those dumb things where Americans just called it Japanese because it was different because we did a lot of that. If you ever read a cookbook from like 1931, they go, hmm, a Japanese salad. And it's a Japanese salad because it might have a bamboo shoot in it. But then the rest of it is like ham and mayonnaise. <laughs> You're like, wait, this, I don't know if this is really a Japanese fucking salad, but all right. I mean, I guess you guys want to call it, ooh, like the, exo- the exotic tropical salad. And it's just you know, macaroni and pineapple and ham and mayonnaise. And you're like, dude, I don't fucking, why is mayonnaise in all of these things? That that immediately takes Japan and tropical right out of it. And you would think that, but there's mayonnaise in fucking everything in Japan. And that's why you're going to get Kewpie mayonnaise. Uh, dudes, look, let's talk mayonnaise. Let's rank it real quick. Your American mayonnaises, certainly your Hellman's and Best Food are, are those are the mainstream brands that I would take. Certainly better than Kraft, any of those other mayos, whatever the fuck. Um, but boy, you know, Duke's mayonnaise, also terrific. Everybody likes the Duke's mayonnaise. It's very good. Uh, Blue Plate mayonnaise is also very good. You should look for that. That's super good. Uh, I've tried them all, but uh, the winner, the clear winner in the mayonnaise derby is uh, is Kewpie. Kewpie mayonnaise. It is Japanese, and it is, uh, you know, it's probably like seven bucks a bottle on Amazon, I think, something like that. Jesus, did you hear that noise? Somebody dropped something upstairs. It, it literally just sounded like... I think Flounder from Animal House is upstairs and he just dumped out a box of marbles. I, I don't know what the fuck that noise was. I don't know if you heard it. Uh, very odd. Um, so, yeah, I, Kewpie mayonnaise is the mayonnaise. That's the one to get. It's a Japanese mayonnaise. Japanese in origin, I will say. Uh, well, I mean, yes, but in Japanese in existence. It's not like it originated into something else. <laughs> what if it did? It's Japanese in origin, but now, brace yourselves, it's Colombian. I don't know how it did it. It jumped the fence. It jumped continents, for Christ's sake. Uh, oh, that's what I was telling you about. I had the, that I have the TV app that lets me get all the channels and stuff. Uh, I'm going to share this with you real quick. Uh, well, wait, hold on. I was talking about lottery tickets, going to the small place, mayonnaise, whatever the fuck. Who cares? Uh, a lot of that this week. Um, yeah, I got to tell you this because I, I, it happened to me the other day. I, I turned on... Uh, because there's another thing that, that I have on this, this server, and it's all the sports. Like, there's cricket and EPL games and fucking tennis and I can watch all the US Open at once. It's fucking it is absolutely incredible. And I will say this. It has probably led to my comfort level in not doing anything. Like I I never like doing anything, but knowing that I can literally if I want, I can I I can put on any game or any movie that I want. It's it's boy is it it's you might as well just have a fucking like a cannonball and a chain and me tied up to the television. Like I mean it's just fucking it's glorious. I love it. Like it's like when I say I saw Sorcerer. I'm sure in your brain you're like, where the fuck did you see Sorcerer? Where did you see the Seven Ups? It's just these. You can as long as you search. I mean, like I think I I saw Barbie in the theater. I didn't talk about it on here. I'll talk about it in a second. Um, and then the next night I watched it at home. It's one of those crazy things. And then like and also by the way. Uh, young people might be like, yeah, we totally get this. We've been torrenting shit forever. We bit torrent and whatever the fuck uh, on LimeWire, whatever. We found movies forever. And, and But for me, it's brand new seeing this kind of shit. Like I just the very fact that you can type in like basically when it's at that point where like if there's a movie that I want to see and it's not there, I'm just like, what the fuck? But it's a movie that nobody's ever watched. There's a movie called The Guide for the Married Man which is is an old Walter Matthau, Robert Morse movie, and I love it so much. I would I would watch it on Twitch with everybody if you could get it, but literally on DVD, like the one DVD I saw once was on Amazon, and it was like $110. It's one of those movies where it's just like fucking, it's just a forgotten classic for me. 
it totally reminds me of being a kid. It's the sixties. It's, and it's got, it's filmed in LA. It's got a whole bunch of actors that you'd recognize. It's just, it's such a fun, silly movie that reminds me of being a kid. And it's about Walter Matthau wanting to cheat on his wife and Robert Morris trying to help him. And the whole movie is like advice on how to cheat and what to do. And he goes, I know a guy once. And then Art Carney and Lucille Ball do a sketch. It's almost like you ever see Love American Style? God, I'm the oldest man alive. I'm talking about fucking the 77 World Series and a Love American Style. But Love American Style was a show that had like these vignette sketches about stuff. Love, love and the plumber, love and Joe the plumber, love and a bed full of stickers, you know, all that shit. Uh, well, this this movie's kind of like that, and then it goes to these vignettes, starring like Sid Caesar and Jack Benny, like all the funny guys from from that period of time. Who I don't love, like again, I don't love that kind of stuff. But Phil Silvers is in it, and he's just fucking sticky and weird. Bob Hope is in it, or no, not Bob Hope, Jack Benny. Jack Benny's in it. Bob Hope's not in it. Uh, it's so fun. It's like a, it's a mad, 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 mad world. You know, it's just one of those movies with like a million people in it doing silly things, and that's what this movie is, man. It is it, 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 so. I, I looked for it and it wasn't on the thing and I was so mad, but occasionally you just have to relook. And then one day I just pumped it in and it was there and I watched it and it was, I told Gil Martin about it and he's just like, again, it's one of those things that I love because it has meaning to me. And if you watched it, you'd be like, this is fucking stupid. And I'd be like, all right, fine. <laughs> but, but for me, it just contains such a, you know, such a fucking real memory that I have to watch it. And then to find it on this streaming thing was fucking incredible. I couldn't believe it. It was there. Uh, and then it disappeared again because I wanted to watch it again like a month later because what am I doing besides nothing with my life? Um, but there's also, and I know you're waiting because I'm going to say it and you're already thinking it. There's a, uh, 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 there's a porn section. Um, and it's got a hundred porn channels easily. But this is the thing is it's like, you know, cause you're thinking to yourself, what do you, how are there a hundred porn channels? Cause you think there's like, cause it's not websites. It's not web. It's actual channels showing porn and under different, like there, there was one channel called bizarre. Uh, and I, I haven't clicked on it because here's the thing. The person that I share this, like who gave me this information, like, I don't know if they can see the stuff I've watched. Like sometimes like I, I have a, I'm on a Hulu with somebody. I'm on a Netflix with somebody. And like, I know the Netflix guy can, can absolutely, uh, he can see what I've watched. You know what I mean? And I don't, I don't know if the Hulu person can either or whatever the fuck. But I don't want to take the chance of clicking on the bizarre sex channel and having my buddy send me a text and go, hey, uh, what the fuck, man? What are you doing over there? <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask. So but but there are a bunch of other just, you know, sex channels, you know, like it'll there. There's a, a you know, Brazzers channel. There's a, but the, but there's also these European channels and uh and so there's these there's European porn, not German, which would be fucking brutal, but it's always it's it's worse. I, I think it's worse than German porn because German porn, you know, what you're getting into it's going to be a lot of severe accents and shit. You know what I mean? That's what it is. It's going to be a lot of shiza movies and whatever the fuck. I don't even think you can show those even on the this this sub stream I've discovered. But the, there's this there's these porns from fucking because I've talked about American porn and porn has changed so much. When I was a kid, man, you you know, there was a fucking guy delivered a pizza. 
and then a weird song starts and he comes in and he and he has sex with the chick you know what i mean or eventually you wind up having sex with Kay parker and she's supposed to be your mom you know what i mean that all that that was as risky as it got but now and i've talked about it before now it's somebody's stepmom gets caught in a doggy door and they decide to fuck her you know what i mean this you're like what the fuck really that's the plan but in europe man it's got this other level of weirdness creepiness i would even say because first of all i'll tell you this in uh, in europe those people love hair i i don't know i I think wax was discovered in China, but I thought it had made a way to Europe, but apparently they're not into using it for not for this. Anyway, they're, they're busy making candles for the Vatican because they're not, they're not doing Cause I, there was a, this woman and she, it was ridiculous. The amount of hair. And then the guy, unfortunately he takes off his pants and you're like, what the fuck even worse. And then he starts fucking her. And it just looks like two golden doodles fighting over a knockwurst. I mean, it's just fucking <laughs> pulling it back and forth. He goes down on her. It looks like a guy trying to pick up a Tic Tac off a barbershop floor. I mean, like, what the fuck, man? This is brutal. And I'm crazy to watch, but, I, but I'm fascinated by it because another thing that they do, too, th- these it's in like Serbia, which is never good. You know what I mean? Because these these people are not in this because they want to be. You know that they were arrested for speeding and they found pills in their console and they went all right well there's a way for you to work this off this poor girl and they throw her in like a schoolgirl outfit and have her wait at a bus stop and this is this is the porn that i get from europe it's always like a guy the one the only guy in serbia who has a camcorder and he approaches a woman on the bench and he's like hey baby what the and it's you know fucking in in their language and uh and then they talk some english and some of their language and she's like, hi. And she goes, I'm just coming home from school. Oh, were you? That's interesting because uh, I don't know, because you're wearing a schoolgirl uniform. And she's like, I'm just coming home from school. And you're like, really? I, well, it's cool that you have a dress code. What do they say about the spider tattooed on your Adam apple? Is that is that anything? Is that a th- oh, By the way, why do you have an Adam's apple? Is that a weird? Because you shouldn't have that, I don't think. Uh, and it's just this, this woman with mysterious neck scars and track marks and a pruno addiction you know what i mean and th- but she's supposed to be coming home from school and the guy's like hey i just want to talk you know you stand up you're very beautiful you want to ride you wait for a bus or whatever and she's like well i can walk and he's like okay i walk behind you and then he films her ass and then she playfully shows her ass and she and he goes i give you i give you you know 50 rucksack if you if you show me front you know what i mean it's just so it's creepy as fuck and she's like oh i don't know and then she you know bites her knuckle and then she flashes her fucking pussy there and uh and it it looks somehow like there's possibly a a a puppy or something under there as well uh and then he goes why don't you combine building for me to make more money i just want to i just want to take picture and she's like okay and you're like this is gonna end in a death this is gonna be so bad uh but i got out but i'll watch i watch to the end man um it's just a crazy thing to stumble into. So I don't, I don't, I, I'm sharing it with you because I just, man, they got to start shaving over in Europe. got to get them some wax or something. Jesus Christ. Um, all right. So I was going to stop and get lottery tickets, right? So I decided I wasn't going to do corporate stores. I was going to go to these side stores, you know, the, it's a place called Eagle Market. So I pulled in and uh, <laughs> I, I'm in line uh, and I turn around and they have a full display of of Chinese potato chips. Now I I you know I've gone to places like downtown where they'll have Japanese snacks and stuff like that and it's it's 
you expect to find them in these places. Or if you go to the XO market or, you know, any of these places, the Lucky 7 market, whatever the fuck, there's Asian markets where you can buy that kind of stuff. But this is just the Eagle market. This is American. Obviously, there's an Eagle right on the fucking sign. It's patriotic. How do you have Chinese snacks? Shouldn't you be against this sort of thing, man? Uh, but I, so I turn around and I, when I say a display, it was a stack of boxes taller than me. It was, it was about, I would say six foot eight of, of snacks in boxes, all different flavors. And I was like, what the hell? So I just started grabbing them. I, I, I grabbed one that was like, you know, a, a roasted squid flavor, uh, and I, I just started piling them on the on the counter. I'm stacking them up, stacking them up, putting them over there. I found a, uh, like a, they, they, these Pringles, Chinese Pringles that are cucumber flavor, that were tomato flavor. There was a Texas barbecue flavor. I'm just putting them all, and I'm just boom, 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 putting the bags down, putting the Pringles down, all this stuff. And the guy's just ringing them up, and it's fucking cool. And I'm like, all right. And then uh, I go, I, I think that's enough. I think I, I got like four cylinders and and 10 bags i don't know i put them all down and i go and i also need lottery too he goes okay great and i handed him my two lottery things and he goes off and he runs over he's okay he goes you got the chips you need bags i go i do i i have a bag in the car i could get he goes no that's fine we'll take care of it beep 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 beep, beep lottery beep and, uh, and he goes okay uh that's 88 dollars <laughs> and and i I must, I had to do a double take because I heard somebody in line laugh. Like, I mean, because I was just like, duh, huh? Like my fucking eyes popped out of my skull. And I just, I went, $88. I go, how many lottery tickets did you give me? He's like, well, no, it's just, it's the the chips. Chips are fucking $675, $7 each. The cylinders are more, the Pringles. It's because again, I only bought $10 with the lottery tickets. Everything, everything was seven bucks a fucking crack for these. And they're little bags. They're not big ass bags of chips. And I, so I looked and I, and I didn't, and this is, I could, what I should have done quite frankly is going, fuck that. I don't want any of these. That's what a grown person would do. But there were people in line behind me and they'd all saw me going crazy and going, I can't believe you have Chinese. Like I was so excited. I can't believe you have Chinese snacks. This is amazing. Oh my God. I've been looking all over the place. So I had just talked them up in such a way that I had just found the holy fucking grail. And sure enough, it's eighty fucking eight dollars, and I go okay, and I just I had cash, uh, and and I was like I you know I didn't want to put it on my fucking you know my debit card for fuck's sake. That's all I need is to get my fucking car repossessed because I spent eighty eight dollars on chips and forgot to replace it. So I had cash, I and I was about to go to the bank on my way home and put it in the thing, but nope, I went ahead and paid the money I had made. That, you know, not all of it, but money I had made that day. I just handed him the money. And uh, I grabbed the bags because there were several and I go to walk out and the dude, there was a woman and a dude behind me and the woman was still laughing. And the guy looks at me who was behind me in line and he goes, you must really like those chips. I go, I do. I didn't know it was going to be fucking $90, but they're good. And the guy behind the counter goes, hey, man, you were the one who put them on the counter. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, yeah, you just kept putting them up there. So I rang them up. You know, you shouldn't be bitching about how much they cost if you were going ahead and, st-. and I go, hey, hey, I paid you, didn't I? He's like, yeah, but you know, you're going to sit here and you're going to talk about how much they cost. You're going to bitch about, I go, I'm not bitching about anything. I just said that it was like, I didn't expect it to be 90 fucking dollars. That's what I said, but I'm walking out of here with them. Aren't I? Didn't I pay you? And the, and now everybody's laughing, the fucking guy and the chick. And he's just like, well, I'm just saying, you know, you, if you, you should think about it before you stack it up. If you can't afford it, I go, I paid you. And I turn on and walk the fuck out before I got into a fight with the Chinese chip guy. That's all I need. 
Because, again, he could probably snap his finger and an army of children building phones in the back would come out, tackle me, and remove my fucking inner workings in some fucking way. Disembowel me with a hanger or something. I don't know what the fuck they teach those kids. Whatever it is, they're not teaching it to me. But I bought $90 worth of fucking chips. I had to. I, I didn't have to. I, was, I bought 80 All right, it was $80 worth of chips because $10 worth of lottery tickets. But the funny thing is, in my brain, I'm like, you know, the lottery is my retirement plan. But I never thought it would be something I had to win in order to afford the snacks I bought the same time I bought the fucking lottery tickets. Fuck me, man. Uh, all right. What, we've, yeah, we've exhausted your possibilities for listening, right, haven't we? I think we have. Probably. Surely. You guys can get me at Mike and Mike Schmidt Comedy dot com. You guys can be my friend at Facebook.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at Twitter.com slash the 40 year old boy. You can follow me at <clears throat> Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok at Mike40YOB. That's Mike40YOB. And also, I haven't posted yet. Uh, Joe, I will answer your note uh, on Blue Sky. I'm on Blue Sky. And it's also Mike40YOB, I believe. I don't think it's the 40 year old boy. I think I went with Mike40YOB. But you'll find me. Put in either one. You'll find me either way. Some people have followed, which is really nice. Thank you. But I haven't posted over there because I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what to post anywhere. But you can find me in those places. Uh, let me be your friend. Please write me to be your pal. Uh, write me at MikeAndMikeSchmidtComedy.com. Step up. Snakes, if you want advice, go ahead and write me. Let me know what's going on. Uh, and once again, I didn't, oh, I didn't talk about the thing I was going to fucking talk about. That's weird. Um you know what? I'll just you fuck it. I'll I'll do it now because even though I've done that that goodbye, I got to tell you, um, let's talk about movies and going and and seeing things that are great. You want to see things that are great. And I watched you know MI one through six to get ready for MI seven. Is MI seven great? It's not. You know there there were movies I saw this this summer that I was just like nah. Uh, I saw Indiana Jones and the What Time Is Fruit Cup. That was uh, interesting. It's fine. It was, it was, you know, I thought it was good. I thought the the CGI stuff in the beginning where they made him young and, and all, I, I didn't, it didn't bother me at all. Because sometimes in movies I'm like, what the fuck, man? But uh, but I didn't mind the Indiana Jones movie. I mean, it's, you know, again, he's 80 years old, fucking punching people and riding a horse. And it, it's a little long. It's probably a half hour long for me. And also, I have this thing, and I know it's wrong. I talked about it with Marvel, but I'll pivot to Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones is a dork. And there's a woman who's sharper and smarter than him at all turns. The villain also gets the better of him all the time. And I'm like, we kind of like Indiana Jones when he's he's kind of unbeatable. That's cool. I mean, he's granted he's a tough guy and sometimes he winds up in a jam, but he's always able to fight his way out of it. But he doesn't have people rolling their eyes at him and making fun of him all the time. That's a fucking drag because the whole thing is we love Indiana Jones. Why do I want to be him? The See him be the butt of jokes. It's a drag. And... Uh, so, you know, the same thing like in Mission Impossible with Ethan Hunt in the new Mission Impossible seven. Same thing. There's a protagonist, a woman who gets the better of him all the time. And 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 again, rolls her eyes, betrays him a few times, like all these different things. And he keeps trying to save her. He keeps trying to help her. And in your brain, I'm just like, you know what? I I like when Ethan Hunt is the unbeatable spy guy. There's there's one scene in one of the movies where Ethan Hunt memorizes an entire fucking like 40 page document in in five minutes there's another where he sketches someone on his hand and it's a it's a perfect likeness of the person that's the whole thing i the idea of of ethan hunt as ubermensch you know what i mean who can fucking be the guy uberman who, who knows everything and can do anything is fucking incredible it's totally fun 
which brings me so when they don't do it it's a drag which brings me to the equalizer i will not spoil because it's in theaters all right but i will tell you this i i had never seen the equalizers and the third one was coming out and in my brain i'm like well I, you know i love denzel and i've never seen these i've never seen man on fire uh you know there's there's just so many movies you can watch where uh this guy's not going to take it anymore you know what i mean where you just go all right um but i watched i was with go martin and i was like let's you want to watch the equalizer the new one's coming out let's watch this so we watched the equalizer at his house and as it was going on i was like i go hey, yeah it, it it left me a little cold and him too thankfully so i didn't look like a fucking jerk but i was like here's the thing i go i I don't uh, I don't need the fucking Equalizer's fat friend at the Home Depot getting his hero moment. I don't. I don't need, uh, you know, everybody banding together. I don't. It's like I talk about in Marvel. I don't need all the kids of the heroes to be the ones who save the hero. I want the heroes to be the guys. The one. So but the one thing I did like about the first Equalizer movie, again, it's good. The first Equalizer movie is just. But if you've seen John Wick and you've seen these kind a bunch of these kinds of movies, you're just like, well, I've seen all this, you know what I mean? And, and it, that's just the way it is. I've seen this construct. Um, but the best thing is it's Denzel. So he's always going to bring something good or interesting to the table. And, you know, he's a he works in a Home Depot, but it turns out, of course, he's he's a ghost because he's he was a killer for the CIA or whoever the fuck. They don't really give you a backstory that that makes a lot of sense. He's got friends still in the in the agencies to help him out. <clears throat> and uh, the villain is really great in the first Equalizer. Uh, it's just that I don't. I just want to see him match wits with Denzel. I don't need to see Denzel's security guard buddy, or the, you know what I mean. That's the thing, that's the thing that drives me crazy. I, I don't. But but the first Equalizer is good. He keeps going to this one diner, and there's a girl that he knows, and he only gets involved with this Russian mob because they do some things to her. And it's it's the idea of him being this awesome dude who's got all these skills, but he just wants to have a regular life. But then when he sees injustices, he writes them. It's a fucking brilliant, brilliant idea. And I know it's right from the television show. I never watched it, but I wonder if it's the same thing. And I'm sure Edward Woodward was terrific. I did watch the pilot episode of the Queen Latifah Equalizer. No, thank you. Um, but but the first Equalizer was, I, I it's good. But there were things where I was just like, you know what, I've seen this before and I don't need to see it. It's just a thing where I don't understand. Uh, so then I watched the Equalizer two, and I think the Equalizer two is a better movie, but the it just turns into a bullet festival. Like I, I again, I like seeing the Equalizer. Like I see, like seeing Ethan Hunt do Ethan Hunt stuff. The Equalizer does a thing where he's like, all right, I'm going to kill everybody in this room in 20 seconds, and he sets his stopwatch, and then he fucking does stuff. It's fucking amazing. In the second one, it was a lot of sneaking around, and and it, it didn't really, you know, the second there's a. I don't want to give anything away, but the second you see someone, you go, well, that's a bad guy. I, I know it's weird, but you just, you've seen these movies enough to where you think that's the case. Well, that's the bad guy. That's fine. But it did have Denzel Washington being fucking Denzel goddamn Washington. There's a scene he has with a young kid who a gang is trying to recruit. And he's like, just kill me, dude. Just kill me. He put the gun to his head. And then he takes the gun away and he puts the gun to the kid's head. And he's like, you don't know about death. And he's literally like right forehead to forehead with this kid and like spits coming out of his mouth. He's like, you don't know about death. You don't know anything about death. He's just, when I talked about nobody gets mad like Philip Seymour Hoffman, nobody gets intense. And, and nobody makes you believe them like Denzel Washington. You believe the things that he says. You believe 
what he's going to fucking do. If he says it, he's going to do it. And this is one of the most brilliant things in the Equalizer series. Okay. He's never in trouble. He might get shot, but it never it's you never see weakness out of him. He is intense the entire fucking time. If he gets shot, he's just going to walk a little faster. And he's going to get to another guy and kill him a little harder. Like he's just cuz he's the hero. He's the guy. He's unbeatable. He's he's bulletproof and you're you're rooting for him in that way. And they they smartly let him be that. They let him be fucking bulletproof. It's amazing. Uh, I, I, I don't want to give too much away about the third one because it's still in theaters. But the third one, I told you, I liked the first one. I thought the second might be a better movie. I might take that back after talking about them out loud. Because the, he does equalizer stuff in the first one that he doesn't do in the second one. The third movie is fucking awesome. I saw it with Pat. It is fucking amazing. The new Equalizer 3... It, it's set in a perfect place. He he does equalizer shit. He's just, he's just, he, he does this thing. There's a dude, he's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. I'm going to kill you. He goes, hurry up. I'll be here. I'm waiting. Hurry up. Come back. Like, because Denzel doesn't take any shit from anybody. And you believe it. You absolutely fucking believe it. He wants the guy to come back because he wants to kill him. He can't wait to fucking kill him. It's so fucking beautiful. The character, the character's the character. But to get the perhaps the most intense actor in the fucking world, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis can become other people. He's very intense because he can become other people and radiate intensity, whether he's the guy in Gangs of New York or he's the guy in There Will Be Blood or he's in fucking Last of the Mohicans. You feel it coming off of him. Denzel is just fucking Denzel. And and still, though, you believe him in his roles, even in your brain. You're like, well, that's fucking Denzel Washington. But it doesn't matter. He, you, But like, I would believe Denzel Washington would fucking kill five guys. I mean, he's just that intense and fucking good. He's so effortless and perfect. Like there, he would do shit in this movie and I'm fucking just pumping my fist and clapping and going, woo, because he's the fucking king. Denzel Washington is so good, dude. I watched Training Day like five months ago and you're just... God damn, he's so amazing in it. Everything he does is perfect. Everything. You know what I've never seen? Malcolm X. How have I not seen it? Because every time I go to watch it, I'm like, well, this is over three hours. I got to wait. And I love Spike Lee and I love fucking, uh, you know, Denzel. How do I not watch it? I'm an idiot. I have to fuck. And every time I watch Denzel and something, I'm like, I got to watch fucking Malcolm X. What's wrong with me? Fucking in- incredible. Fucking Mississippi Masala. Dude, he's, he's just, he's the fucking best. And I mean, I, you know, I love, I love Brad Pitt. I love DiCaprio. I love that. But Denzel Washington is, is the fucking king. He is so amazing. And I cannot stress enough. You need to see Equalizer fucking three. It's so fucking good. Uh, and should I come to your house and watch it with you? I should. Uh, <laughs> all right. You guys can get me. I'm going to redo this because why not? You guys can get me at Mike at Mike Schmidt uh, I'm sorry, you guys can get me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can be my friend at Facebook.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. You can follow me at Twitter.com, The 40-Year-Old Boy. Oh, uh, fucking X. X.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. Um, and then Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and Blue Sky. I'm Mike40YOB. Find me there. Uh, I'm part of the Misfit Toys Co-op. Please remember that. Uh, Never Not Funny is part of it. I know that... Uh, I think Todd Glass is still part of it. Like I said, it's it's ins and outs. I got to get an updated list. Uh, but I know Danielle uh, and Christine do their show. Wow, that's pointy. You should check that out. It's terrific. Uh, they do. I think I'm going to see them live tomorrow night. Actually, do their show. Um, 
But go ahead and listen to all those shows as part of the Misfit Toys Co-op. Uh, our great friends over there, Fearful Jesuit at the Paranoid Strain and uh, David Mex Hernandez over there at the Flemcat Podcast. Download those wherever you find the best podcasts in the world. You'll find there sitting there waiting, lurking, ready to jump out at you from the podcast bushes and spring a chokehold on you that you'll never be able to escape. Uh, you want to hire me for something? Why not? First of all, there's Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike. 40YOB. Uh, our great friend Kevin, like I said, stepped up and actually donated more. Incredible. You're so nice to me. Thank you. Uh, you can hire me for Cameo if you'd like. That's a, a phone message where I you can go to you can put the Cameo app on your phone or go to bookcameo.com and, uh, and I will be there for you. I'll be there for you to record a note on your phone. I'll be there for you. You'll never feel alone. I'll be there for you when your rain starts to fall. (laughs) Hire me for cameo. I'll send a message to you or your friends or whomever you want me to. Your sister, your cousin, your brother, your aunt, your cousin. How about your other cousin? What about that other cousin you never talked to? Let's get all your cousins a note. How many cousins you got? 15? I'll make 15 different messages for all of your cousins. I got time. What the fuck am I doing? Uh, Patreon.com slash Mike40YOB. Cameo, you can hire me there. Uh, And then, of course, I have television channels. I have YouTube.com slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. And I have Twitch.tv slash The 40-Year-Old Boy. I've been streaming. I'm streaming. Streaming will see me through. That's uh, Dreaming by Cliff Richard. Um... Twitch.tv slash the 40-year-old boy. Uh, I haven't been on yesterday or today because my schedule got a little weird. Uh, yesterday, I was going to record a podcast. Hey, and then things went koyanaskatsi, and here we are doing it on Thursday morning. Uh, but it'll be out here on Thursday. You'll be listening to it, or at least it'll be in your inbox, which is good. Um, but I'll be back streaming on Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, sign up. That would be great. I should probably tell people that I'm not going to be streaming today. I might go on late tonight. Who knows? I'm unpredictable. I got to pick up my brother at the airport in a couple hours, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, all right. Twitch.tv slash the 40 year old boy follower. Subscribe over there. If you could, that'd be great. YouTube.com slash the 40 year old boy following over there. Subscribing to me is really important. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything. And if you keep me over a thousand, when I start doing videos, it monetizes them and this, that, and the other thing. And maybe you don't care about that. Holy fuck. I do. And let me tell you this. If you guys want to see me live, holy, you know what? I never told you what the, the thing about insanity. Should I tell you it next week? I think I should. Holy fuck. I'll do it next week. Uh, what a weirdo that, you know, I started the podcast. I'm like, yeah, the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. And I started telling you about the pizza house. Fuck. Do I have to tell you that now? I can't. All right. I'll do it next week. Uh, it'll, you know what? I, I it's a cliffhanger. I got to leave you guys with a cliffhanger snakes. If you're out there, this is what you do. You do something at the beginning of the show and then you do the cliffhanger right at the end. Everybody's like, what the fuck? We got money. We have to come back next week to hear the dumb pizza story. Um, if you want to see me in person this weekend, Sunday, seven o'clock PM, I will be doing J Keith Van Stratton's live podcast called go fact yourself. Uh, it's at a place called the center for inquiry. You can go to go fact for tickets. Uh, it's a, it's a give whatever you want type of thing. Uh, I don't think there's any set price. You pay at the door if you want. Uh, go fact yourself. It's at the Center for Inquiry, which I think is on Temple, maybe downtown L.A., possibly. I don't know. Um, and it's me answering trivia questions against another uh, person, uh, a woman. I was against a very talented actress, and then she moved. And I think another very talented actress has stepped in, another writer actress uh, whose name Allison Pamer. Would that be it? Possibly. Do I need to go fucking look? I think I do. Why not? Let's do that. See if I can pull it up. 
Uh, hold on. Uh, let's see if I can find this person. I can. Here's this right here, guys. Oh, go fact yourself live. Anna Camp. I think Allison Pamer may have been the first person. This is Anna Camp. You can find her at the real Anna Camp at Instagram. Um, but it's Go Fact Yourself, the live show in Los Angeles, the Center for Inquiry. I was right. It's on West Temple. Uh, pay what you want at the door. Go to GoFactYourPod.com for tickets. It's Anna Camp against me. Sunday night, September 10th, 7 o'clock p.m. J. Keith Van Stratton and his special guest co-host, Nicole Thurman. Helen Hong is usually there, the lovely and talented Helen Hong, who I enjoy very much. Uh, but now we're going to go with Nicole Thurman. She's going to be co-hosting, and uh, it should be fantastic. The show's going to be great. I'm probably going to get destroyed, because I'll tell you what, it's Thursday, and they still haven't told me, because you have to pick your own categories, and then they tell you beforehand what the categories will be, and I'd really kind of like to get up to speed on some stuff. Uh, and you know I don't like losing. I really don't. But uh, but you know what? If it's Anna Camp beating my ass, that's one ass whooping I got to take, right? Of course. So there you go. The Go Fact Yourself live show in Los Angeles. That's uh, Sunday, September 10th at 7 o'clock. That's a lot of S's. That's, you know, Snake would enjoy this. Sunday, September 10th at 7 p.m. Me, Anna Camp, J. Keith Ben Stratton, Nicole Thurman. And uh, yeah. All right. I was going to. Uh, you know what? Fuck. Oh, God damn it, Mike. I also I forgot the pizza thing, but also. I was going to do a break and then have commercials and then the plugs. Guys, I'm learning how to do this all over again. Snakes don't listen to me. Clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. I used to. I used to be fucking clockwork with this goddamn thing. I was like a goddamn fucking Swiss watch. German stopwatch. I don't know. Somebody else who's technically proficient from another country. I was all of those things. And yet, and yet, here we are with me stepping on my own dung. Dung? I was going to say dick and tongue. Oh, my God. Get me out of here. My mouth is not working. All right. Uh, yeah, we'll be here next week. Thanks. Podcast! Podcast!